Thank you for joining the ESBC football, college football previews from a betting perspective. Now, every single business meeting has to have a football, college football previews. All right, let me, let me get this other stream up. But every single business meeting has to have a purpose and an outcome. And the purpose of the podcast is to make me money, right? I am not a hypocrite like these ball players that say that they do it for their families. They do it to be in alignment to, for the universe. They're doing for for you, the people, instead of saying the truth that they're doing it for the money. Second purpose of the podcast is to make you money in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of riots in Seattle, Portland, Chicago, in the middle of a recession, you have to find a way to make an extra income. I know uh, Dr. First would be on the podcast is paying for his wedding $10,000 purely from funds he's wagered on games. My wife, Anna, has spent, not spent, she's invested $32,000 in gas since 2000 and you love it. And then the third part of the podcast is to provide basic mental health skills. Uh, we all have people around us, including ourselves, that have warning signs. And it's very important for us to understand uh, fundamentals of mental health and to be able to help ourselves and people around us. Okay. Uh, we have a very special guest here today. Uh, it's going to open us the podcast with a lot of fire and private with a lot of insight. Uh, and I'm going to introduce them both. Uh, we have here a man who's given me the outcome because we have the purpose of the outcome. Now the outcome of Dr. First is that he has made me money over a four year period with the number two rule of research. Uh, the number two rule of betting was is always do your research. Uh, he's a PhD of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we were 80% college football bowl season, and then we got all games right. Uh, New Year's Day. It was a great New Year's Day getting every single game right. It's one of the few days I drink during the year, so I was just slamming beers, <clears throat> winning all day. And then we finished with a 41-6 ridiculous pre-pandemic college basketball roll, 87%. This man has made me a lot of money. He's given me good outcomes. We're 100% transparent to the point that we have a live spreadsheet where we've got 80% MBA. There was one guy. I can't believe you say that. You're going 80% NBA. Well, scoreboard, right? And our scoreboard is a spreadsheet. Uh, we did really good with uh, Major League Baseball. Dr. First, thanks for joining us on the SEC Financial Betting Preview. 
Thank you. Uh, it's good to be talking, uh, I think, about actual football that we um, – I would bet good money on that one way or another will be played, even if they have to fly to Bermuda or something to figure it out. The SEC somehow is going to play football. So uh, it's always been the best conference. Um, I I believe it's incredibly overrated. It's good, but, you know, what I mean, you go down the, the to the south and, you know, it's those 12 teams and everybody else, and it's a bit much. Um, obviously – it's been the top for the last, you know, 10, 12 years. Um, but it's really interesting to dive into it because I, I, I see um, some, some, some interesting opportunities to make some money. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then when you talk about opportunities to make some money, uh, we've been very fortunate, lucky, and good uh, that we have a woman who's already making us money yeah, we anticipate that she's going to make us a lot of money in the future. And we're doing all we can to make her money before uh, her rocket ship of success uh, blazes through the, 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 the atmosphere. She, she's an athlete. She's a competitor. Uh, she's a graduate of Northridge University, current home. One of my favorite guys, Jim Herrick, is the assistant basketball coach, won the national championship. And Coach Suttle was the – that we have on the NBA podcast. He gave us a lot of insight. Everybody should listen to that podcast. He was a strength coach at Northridge. And my brother, uh, Daryl Mitchell, he's in North – he lives in Northridge, graduated in Northridge. So, man, I've had a lot of good luck with the University of Northridge, but the greatest luck is the winner circle. Uh, she is and will be the greatest betting reporter of all times on our podcast. None other than, and this is her name, the University of Northridge. This is her name, uh, Cal State Northridge, right? Correct. Cal State Northridge and uh, University of Colorado as well. Brianna Winner. That is her name, Brianna Winner. Thank you for joining us. No problem. Glad to be here. All right. So you never get advice from somebody who's not busy. And obviously somebody that's intelligent and successful as Miss Winner, she doesn't have all night just to stay with us. So she's going to uh, break down, she's broken down the Florida Gators as we'll get right into it, the SEC, the Florida Gators. Three national titles. So what's going on with the, from a betting perspective with the Florida Gators this year, Brianna? Well, obviously the schedule has to be revised, which hopefully will come out in the next two weeks. But okay. right now, the yeah, I didn't even know that. Right now the SEC is set to start on September 26th. There's only few conferences that are still being played. Obviously, Chip Kelly had a decision to make in 2018 whether he was going to face Nick Saban and the role tied in the SEC with the Gators or challenge Clay Hilton and the Trojans with the Bruins. And obviously, <laughs> while I am wrapped up in oh, a UCLA blanket right now. Right, um, I, I would choose Gomer home uh, health and all, all day versus going against Nick Saban every year. That's why he beat him, right? He beat him with an inferior team. He ran Kelly, right? He transferred from. Uh, from UC Davis, right down Clay Hilton's throat. And that, that was embarrassing for USC people. I was embarrassed for USC people. <laughs> well, as I'm saying, wrapped in my UCLA blanket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that 
That was a good day for you, right, Brianna? Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> so when you think about the Florida Gators, it obviously starts at the top. So like Dan Mullen is the head coach. He is an Urban Meyer disciple who coached Tim Tebow to a Heisman Trophy and two national titles as the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach. Then at Mississippi State, he was the head where he was the head coach. He led um, Dak Prescott to an impressive NFL career, including four wins over your Philadelphia Eagles, Brandon. Um, <laughs> he's never going to live oh, that one down. Guys, oh, are, we, are we? Dak do, Prescott. I, do, I to, do I need to start counting wins? I didn't. I mean, I. If, if we need to start counting wins, I can be well, ready for that. You give me two minutes, and we can start. Doing that, but, well, uh, Dak, Dak Prescott is four and two against the Eagles. Fantastic. Uh, and how many Super Bowls does Zach Prescott have in those, in those times? Because I believe the Eagles have won a Super Bowl while – yeah, they have. While that's – yeah, how about that? Yeah, but head-to-head, head-to-head Dan Mullen. We're talking about Dan Mullen here. You, you can, you can, you can go four head-to-head. and two all you want. I'll, I'll, I'll take my uh, February memories. But, yeah, enjoy uh, being a Dan Mullen disciple. Good for you, Dak. The computer – you see, the Gators have a combined 89 career starts on their offensive line. And obviously, analytics don't work in football, but key statistics do. And obviously, it's controlled at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. So Kyle Trask, who is right now the projected starting QB, played in 12 games last season and completed 237 out of 354 pass attempts, threw for 2,941 yards and threw 25 touchdowns. And behind him, is redshirt freshman Emory Jones, who completed 25 of his 38 passes in 11 games and threw for 267 yards with only three touchdowns. And obviously, the Gators will be fine with them leading the offense. On the other side of the ball, Florida returns 21 defensive linemen and linebackers who can all run a 4.5 second or less 40-yard dash. Obviously, as their defensive coach, you've got former NFL defensive coordinator Todd Grantham, who is currently making $1.39 million a year just to wow. coach college defense. And yeah, I know. And there's no state tax in Florida. Here would be tax 14%, which would be like uh, $140,000. So you see it's $140,000 being the Florida defensive coordinator versus being the UCLA or USC or, or Stanford defensive coordinator. To be fair, the SEC have, like, some of the top, like, money-earning coaches, so. <laughs> that is crazy. That is nuts. So when you look at, at Florida, uh, they're coming off 11-2 year. Uh, Florida's top five states for recruits. So what that means is that they're 20 deep in every position, right? And being a US, USF alumni, uh, Sometimes we have competed for the top five, but we usually don't because those guys usually go to Alabama, LSU, uh, in those top schools in Florida, Florida State. But we do compete for the, the guys that are between five and 15. And so what, what that means is that Florida is always – never going to be a talent issue in Florida. It's going to be a developmental issue. And the question is with Dan Mullen. Uh, who does a great job developing guys, right? Tim Tebow, Heisman Trophy winner, two national titles. Dak Prescott at Mississippi State gets into the NFL. He has a winning record against the Philadelphia Eagles. 
he knows how to develop guys, but can he develop on the level of a Nick Satan or Curry Smart? And now Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin is in Mississippi, and then you got Jimbo Fisher who's won a national title. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, you also have Gus Malzahn and Auburn who's won a national title. So this, it's it's going to be within the margins with uh, with Coach. And this is going to be – looks like it's going to be one of his better years. He gets to uh, play a soft guy from the West Coast in JT Daniels. And they play Georgia, which is their rival. And then LSU is depleted. So if, if LSU can have a developmental year, which is probably going to be 10-3, and three, uh, that should be a win. I like Trask. Trask is a statue in the pocket, but he has a strong arm. Jones will come in for those specialty Wildcat plays and look for for the Florida Gators. We're going to have more plays. If they don't play Florida State, and I really doubt they will because the SEC is not going to add a conference game, look for. As much as I, I'm a Gator hater, I hate the Gators, but I have a lot of good friends who are Gators. I know, Gabe, um, you're going to take offense to that. But, you know, you know I love you personally. Uh, but not the greatest of Gator fans, even though we get along. USF and, and Florida does get along. Uh, look for you guys to go 11-0. And one of the reasons I love you, Gabe, is because you're very pragmatic. When we go bet on the games, you tell me exactly what's going on with the Gators without emotion. Because the number one rule of betting is do not bet your team. What do you think, Brandon, first? Doctor first. Well, uh, first thing that I always want to just try and figure out is how Vegas is going to view um, Florida from a betting line. Um, obviously, Dan Mullen, I think one of the biggest things after, you know, obviously after um, Urban Meyer left Florida, trying to find a, a guy who could kind of right the ship. Obviously, Mullen is that guy. I think a big part of it is his, um, I guess, tenure in the SEC with Mississippi State kind of understanding how to coach in the SEC, but at a smaller, um, you know, not on the same level as an LSU, a Florida, a Georgia, an Alabama. Um, so he learned how to succeed at a smaller SEC school. Um, and yeah, maybe a quarterback of his has gone on and had a couple good games. Good for that guy. But, um, you know, big deal. Big thing for me uh, in the last 10 years, uh, Florida straight up, They've had 81 wins, but only 62 against the spread. That's almost 20 games that uh, they would have lost against the spread. So that just shows me it's a lot of uh, inflated lines in those games. Um, 42 returning Letterman is in uh, is encouraging, and uh, also got six starters on each side coming back, or six returners on uh, both offense and defense. I think it's going to be Florida, Georgia. Whoever wins that is going to. Um, Represent what is this? The SEC East, yeah, SEC East. Yeah, no. When you talk about the Gators, it's a lot of inflated lines, and uh, there's a lot of Gator alumni who go to Vegas and bet blindly on the on the Gators. We take advantage of it, and, and you go the other way. Another part of the inflated line is those overs. Uh, it used to be the the funny gun with Stevie Spurrier was there. Not anymore. Now, it's, uh, Mullen likes to keep things close to the best unless it's a big game. So, 
with that being said, uh, look for an affiliated line against Will Muschamp in South, in South Carolina. Look for South Carolina. But another, it's funny, there's going to be uh, three Trinity League Orange County guys starting for SEC schools. So the starting quarterback at South Carolina played at Orange Lutheran. And let me get his name. I work with a guy that all he did was talk about this guy. Ryan Holinsky. Ryan Holinsky, yeah. Ryan Holinsky from Orange Lutheran. Then you're going to have Bryce Young, Alabama from modern day. And then uh, JT Daniels at Georgia from modern day. So three Trinity League guys, uh, instead of starting in the Pac-12, they're there in the SEC. So, Brandon first. We're going to go in alphabetical order? Yep. So, next up is going to be Georgia. All right. Your Georgia Bulldogs and Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart won a national title um, with Alabama. And he's a defensive guy through and through. But he's one of those guys from uh, Mensa. And uh, he's an incredibly intelligent guy who brings that intelligence to his management style. And that's resulted in him um, getting into the playoffs and had that great game in the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma. We had those two monsters at the running back position that were recruited by uh, the previous coach. And then he's had bad luck at the end of the seasons, not having enough offense. So he's fixing that with JT Daniels in the passing game. Uh, Jake Fromm was very, very, very celebrated, but he didn't get the job done. You know, I always felt that the offense was very limited when he was there. Now with JT Daniels, they're going to open up the playbook. They're going to be able to throw it more. And, again, uh, there's so much talent in the South, and they do such a great job recruiting that it's never going to be a talent issue with Kirby Smart. It's always going to be a scheme and maybe uh, being a defensive coach maybe trusting his offensive coordinator a little bit more and letting things fly. Let, let things fly and allow the offense to win a game or two. Uh, Coach Satan does that. And now JT Daniels, I imagine the reason JT Daniels is there is so if they, they get in a situation where they have to win a shootout, they'll be able to do it. They'll be able to win uh, a shootout. Now, I know they have a new – uh, offensive coordinator and it's going to be and sometimes it's not just the offensive coordinator it's going to be the uh, the analyst to come in right so you're looking at maybe a Dan Enos coming in as an analyst and the new offensive coordinator is going to be Todd Monken and he had great teams man he had great teams and great offenses when he was at Southern Mississippi University 
And then he uh, did a great job as the offensive coordinator of your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And now he takes his talents for $2 million a year as the offensive coordinator of your Georgia Bulldogs. And he has stud court QB, JT Daniels, with him. Uh, the defense coordinator doesn't matter because Curry Smart's pretty much his own defensive coordinator. He's going to call the shots there. going to make the major decisions on defense. And how can you argue with him, right? The man's won several playoff games, several national titles. Uh, they return eight on defense, man. So that means a lot of these games are going under. And uh, they get to avoid Georgia Tech, which even though they have a lot of talent, that was always a very, very physical game. So look for uh, the title of the SEC West to be played out against Florida on October 34th. First, they're usually totally different teams than what you've seen during the regular season because they hide plays and hide defensive schemes just for that game. So look for that particular game to go over and the rest to go under. What do you think, Dr. First? Uh, yeah, I definitely, you know, you look at only three returning offensive starters. That's tough. I, I think replacing Jake Fromm is actually going to be bigger, uh, bigger deal than most. Uh, this guy, four-year starter, took him to a national title game. And, you know, if it wasn't for a couple uh, plays here and there against Alabama, might have won a national title. Um, I do look at redshirt freshman Zamir White. I, it's kind of like the next guy up. Um, seems like every year they're sending someone into the league, and then the next year it's kind of like rinse and repeat. Uh, but I do definitely key in heavily on the eight returning starters. Uh, you almost don't even need to research these guys. You just know, look, if these guys are A, being underclassmen and they're starting, and B, they're doing it at Georgia or an SEC school, uh, tons of talent. So, yeah, eight returning starters. I think there is going to be a ton of unders. And I think the defense is going to have to win some games. Uh, maybe not plural, but maybe they have to win that game against Florida. Uh, maybe later on in the year they, um, they, they have something. And who knows? I mean, if, if they're talking about non-conference um, situation and the ACC is going to play, you'd have to imagine Georgia, Georgia Tech would have to be on there. Um, but – uh, we'll get there, you know, when we get there. But for the most part right now, I look at the Georgia defense needing to be um, probably the – definitely the best in the division, maybe the best in the conference. And I'm – I think JT Daniels a bit overrated, obviously. Um, had a couple uh, years, but I, I – or a couple good games with USC. But I think a lot of that was because he um, he was with Amon St. Brown or Amon – or Ron St. – Amon St. Brown, um, who he played with at Matter Day pretty much his entire career, I think – there was a heavy reliance on him, and towards the end, um, defense was starting to kind of hone in on that. So we'll see if he can maybe find a, you know, uh, St. Brown uh, at, at Georgia. But I, I agree. Like I said, Florida, Georgia, whoever wins that game, unless someone really stubs their toe later on, um, that's going to be your decider of who goes in the SEC East. Yeah, and a big uh, difference maker is going to be Matt Luke, who was the former head coach at Ole Miss. He's now the offensive line coach, coaching up those guys on the Georgia offensive line. And then when you look at the SEC offensive line, right, uh, even though they're young, their right guard is 6'6", 340 pounds. Uh, Justin 
Safford. He has a senior uh, left guard, 6'4", 340. And their left tackle is uh, 6'4", 385. <laughs> so even though the guy's a sophomore, he's 385 pounds. <laughs> Welcome to the SEC. And Coach Matt Luke knows how to coach, right? That's why he was getting uh, $3 million to be the head coach at Mississippi. And he gets to get rewarded. He want to talk about failing forward. He gets fired as the head coach of Mississippi. And he gets rewarded with a $1 million a year salary. Uh, ten, you know, $10 million severance or buyout. And then a million dollars to coach that Georgia offensive line. <laughs> and one last thing on that Georgia team is, especially looking through, uh, no matter what, I can give you one game that I guarantee you they are going to cover. Um, and that's going to be against South Carolina after South Carolina ended. Um, I oh, guess, yeah. you know, they weren't going to go to the national title game. We know that. But at the time, it ended their chances last year, 2017, and South Carolina was terrible last year. So, that's going to be a game. Um, I think Georgia wants that game to be a game that they that's a laugher. And then I think the Florida game is obviously uh, the biggest game of the year, but it's also going to be a huge recruiting game because, um, you know, they still play that in, you know, Jacksonville. I would assume that's what's going to happen. Who knows? Um, who knows? I don't know quite in terms of, you know, uh, COVID and all that stuff, what actually goes on. But, I mean – uh, that that South Carolina Georgia game, I expect Georgia to come out um, probably keep their starters in probably to the fourth quarter, no matter what. That's a good point. That's a good point. And that's a point. These guys have a lot of pride. Minus the fact they're making millions of dollars as coaches, they have a lot of pride. And because of, I mean, the talent disparity and the outcome disparity between South Carolina. In Georgia last year, the Georgia coaches were completely outcoached. Now, you say, okay, maybe that's why Kirby Smart gets a new offensive coordinator, Tom Munkin, and that's why Matt Luke is now the new offensive offensive line coach because it was a, a clear job where the talent was there but the coaching was not. That's why Will Mushamp, very good coach, very, very intelligent, nice man, uh, was able to win that game. And it was a great win for uh, the Trinity League in Ryan Holinsky from Orange Lutheran High School. But playing in a completely different town in Columbia, South Carolina. But they do have a good Waffle House, good breakfast. And you go on the side of the road to a farm and you get breakfast there. You get that fresh bacon and those fresh eggs have just been laid. What's the next thing we're looking at? Next team that we have coming up is going to be um, the uh, Kentucky, University of Kentucky Wildcats. We're going in alphabetical order in the west. Yep. Uh, east. This is the east. Right? Yeah. Oh, the East. Kentucky. Kentucky Wildcats. They have a great coach. The Stoops family, uh, all of them are great coaches. This guy has done a great job. 
at Kentucky. Now, for SEC standards, Kentucky is a developmental team. We talk about the difference between uh, teams that are like LSU, that are like Florida, Alabama, Georgia, those teams, uh, irregardless whether they're developmental, you got a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, they're still going to win 10 games, right? Uh, and then their next level will be the second year where they win it all, right? They're supposed to win every single game. Kentucky's different. Kentucky can definitely go 0-12, so they have to develop talent. And he's done a great job developing talent. He goes, you know, five and seven, seven and six, seven and six, ten and three, eight and five. So the man knows how to develop talent. Uh, he comes from a football family, right? Uh, his dad died of a heart attack in triple overtime of a high school game where the kicker. <laughs> They were going in for the win. And I'm laughing because they laugh. Stoops family laughs about this. But the kicker misses the kick in overtime, point shot to win it, and Daddy Stoops dies of a heart attack. But his three sons become coaches. And he learned from his dad and his brother how to develop talent. Uh, he had a rough time in Arizona, but he comes here and uh, he learns from his mistakes. Now, when you look at the Kentucky offensive line, they have, let's take a look here. They have, well, they have eight guys on offense and seven guys on defense returning. So that means that's going to be a very, very, very good Kentucky team. Are they going to beat Florida? No. Florida, that was the biggest thing. For 33 years in a row, I believe, Florida had beaten Kentucky. And then Kentucky finally beat Florida. But uh, Coach Mullen's not going to let that happen again. Uh, Florida alumni are not going to let him do that again. Uh, but after that game, they're going to be in every game in the SEC. Uh, it's going to be interesting now that they're only playing conference games. Because football, at the end of the day, is a battle of attrition. When you look at teams like Kentucky... And Kentucky's always have to develop depth and quality depth. Uh, it's going to be interesting for them not playing a non-conference schedule and being able to have more players. Now, they returned 57 career starts. Versus Florida, that has 89 career starts. That pretty much tells you that Kentucky has no chance in that game. So... Especially if it's early in the season, look for Kentucky to get blown out by Florida and then be in every game throughout the season. Uh, Kentucky football doesn't have a good reputation, so you're going to get some inflated lines with seven guys coming back on defense, a developmental team. Look especially early for those Kentucky teams, uh, those Kentucky games to go under. All right especially when they play another defensive coach in, in Vanderbilt, another defensive coach in Tennessee. And that Tennessee game is going to be very, very, very interesting. Uh, they've lost Tennessee two years in a row. 
and Tennessee is not the greatest team in the world. So you got to look at uh, that game being very interesting November the 7th. What do you think about the Kentucky Wildcats football? Well, this is um, kind of, I guess you want to call it the Duke of the SEC in terms of all the money that comes into this university is probably going to basketball. Uh, but they've made it work um, at Kentucky. Obviously, Stoops' family is uh, very synonymous. Um, not so much in the SEC, but he's made it work, obviously. Uh, I will say 15 starters overall lost. That's tough. Um, and you did talk about the offensive line. Uh, three offensive linemen, they were all drafted. Um, uh, they were all drafted. So that, that kind of shows you what, they're, what they lost and what they have to replace. Uh, going through, there was something last year uh, – in terms of the betting, look, 2-0 and is home dog. So this is a team that understands, you know, the home – and we're probably not going to get fans this year, or if we do, it's definitely not going to be the the normal um, SEC fans that you'd normally see. But you can tell this team it knows, um, you know, when to get up, what, what games to get up for. Now, you'd obviously like your team or that team to get up for every single game. But if we know what time they are going to get up, we can take advantage of that. Um, and then – I believe, look, you talked about Florida and all that stuff. You're right. They're probably going to beat uh, – they're probably going to lose to Florida, but I think nine times out of ten they're going to cover. We're going to talk about – you know, we talk about uh, Florida having inflated lines, and you just brought up uh, kind of the, the, the vice versa of Kentucky. Kentucky has that stigma playing football of, you know, I mean, for me I always think of, you know, God rest his soul, but Jared Lorenzen, I, kind of as a, as, a, as a joke, you know, a sideshow. Um, but that's – not quite where we are. I, th I think Stoops is, has made it respectable. I know um, our friend Phil Steele um, believes that, you know, maybe Kentucky might be able to do something. I don't. I think it's a two-horse race in this division. Um, like I said, I think they cover against Florida. Uh, when we do talk, I always like to try and find those revenge games. Um, I expect for Kentucky uh, a game that they are going to um, cover and really, I think, dominate is uh, against Tennessee a team that they should have lost to, or I'm sorry, that K Kentucky should have beat last year. Um, we all kind of joked about Tennessee's start to the year. Um, and uh, they actually ended up getting a win over Kentucky, which normally, look, don't get me wrong, I understand Tennessee over Kentucky. Uh, that's normal. But last year, in terms of the way those teams went, um, I think Kentucky's got to be looking at that as a situation that they want to get some revenge. Absolutely. And – a big part of it uh, is that the Stoops family is from Ohio, very legendary family in Ohio, and with Kentucky being right there, I think it's given him a, a recruiting edge to be able to be get to the level he's at where he can get lucky and maybe get in in the SEC championship game, even though it's very hard with Georgia, Georgia and Florida. Uh, and then the other thing is, we talked about it yesterday on the horse racing podcast, all the money that's in uh, Kentucky and Churchill Downs, they contribute to the university. So you got to look at that. You got to look at uh, the alumni that contribute millions and millions of dollars. And they're a home dog, believe me. Stoops has been in football his whole life. He has some extra plays dialed up <laughs> from 40 years of coaching with that big money alumni in those home games as a home dog. And Dr. First and I have monetized that situation. Because you can think whatever you want, right? And anybody can have their own opinions, but not everybody can have their own facts. 
and then monetize the facts. And we're living in the greatest country in the world. We can monetize facts. We can go and we can act upon a fact or a high probability and then use it, have it on a card, a debit card, and go to the gasoline station and fill up the, fill up the gas tank with that high probability that we monetized. This specific case, being specific, it's inflated lines when you got Coach Stoops born in football. You're getting him numbers, right? You're getting him high plus numbers in front of the billionaire Kentucky alumni, Big Blue, and they, they pay for a lot of people to go to those uh, NCAA games. And they pay John Calipari $10 million, $10 million a year to coach basketball. These people have a lot of money. And uh, if Dr. First and I were coaching a team at Kentucky, we would be covering home games as well. <laughs> we figure out one way or another to cover those home games. Keep that money and those bonuses going. So what's the next thing we're going to be covering? Next up is um, Missouri. And I'll start this one off. Yeah, we got uh, Eli uh, Drinkwitz obviously coming over from Appalachian State after he went 12-1 and last year with the Mountaineers. Um, Look, the best part about this, maybe not the best part, but one of the interesting things about this is Drinkwitz already has, or I think it's Dinkwitz, I'm sorry. uh, Dinkwitz already has a win over an SEC school, and he got it last year uh, as Appalachian State beat South Carolina. Uh, You do have 11 starters on both sides of the ball returning. Missouri is looking um, to try to become relevant. Um, Obviously, Texas A&M has had marginal success since the move to the SEC. A lot of that was mainly Johnny football, um, but Missouri never has. Um, I think they might have snuck into a SEC title game once. Twice, okay, but neither time was it fun, um, and it was and one of those out. years that it just um, – we haven't seen um, them be really competitive, and they've never – even in those years that they did go to those conference title games, we're talking about 20-point favorites or underdogs, I should say. Right. Um, well, and, the money uh, for us going the other way. <laughs> yeah, and so – but for Missouri, I do look at uh, – in a situation – obviously, this is a team that's going to be on the rise – uh, especially considering the one thing I talked about, it'd be very interesting to see how this team deals with the travel they're going to have to deal with. They're going to be doing a lot of traveling, and there are going to be certain teams that do do that, uh, especially in the AAC. The AAC is kind of spread out, but Missouri is kind of one that jumps out to me that's going to have going to have to do a, a bit of traveling. So how obviously they deal with everything. I don't think I need to. And I mean, obviously when I talk about traveling now, it's funny. You know, when you talk about this, it's not – oh, you know, the the hotel and then the fans. Now it's, oh, do you, how you stay healthy and how you stay in these bubbles until right. game time so that you can have a positive test and you can play. Or, I'm sorry, so you can have a negative test and you actually play in the game. So right. that'll be interesting to see how Missouri deals with that. Um, I, I could see some coverages here. Like I said, I, I think uh, Kentucky beating them 29-7 to last year. I think Missouri's going to circle that one and say, hey, um, I don't care where we are as a program. Kentucky cannot beat us by 21 points or more. Uh, I think that's a pretty good place to start for Eli uh, uh, Dinkitz. And I think this is a team that's on, on the rise, but we're right. not going to hear too much from them um, this year. Maybe maybe we talk about them come bowl season. We'll see. Well, actually, no, never mind. If 
I don't know about bowl season, but my point is, I don't know if they would have gotten to six and six, um, but they're definitely going to be, a, they're going to be a team that I expect to compete in the near future in the SEC. If uh, Dinkwitz does what we expect him to do, because he was very, very impressive at Appalachian state. Absolutely. And <clears throat> I don't know. It's one of those great shows, right? It's won a lot of awards. The Ozarks, have you seen that show on Netflix? You know, I haven't, and I don't know why. I've pretty much seen every single thing Netflix pretty much has to offer except for certain things, and Ozark is usually right up my alley, but I, 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 I've I, never gotten into it. Um, I, eventually, you watched, one day like, the I beginning or anything? What, what was that? You watched the beginning of it or anything? No, I mean, I know the, I know a bit of the back backstory to it, but... Yeah, no, it's a great show. We watched... We, uh doesn't matter when it comes on. We end up, Anna and I end up watching it in one day. Yeah. <laughs> we binge watch the whole season in one day. Uh, very, very good show. So the state of Missouri is now uh, messed up for me now because that's all I think, think about. And I think uh, people on the show are probably Missouri boosters, you know. So, uh Missouri is going to have a great offense. The, the previous regime did a great job coaching the offense. They were just, when you look at them, they were starstruck by being SEC coaches and being in the SEC. Uh, this guy has talent. He's going to be his own offensive coordinator. He knows how to do less with more. He's going to be in a lot of games. They got eight guys, seven guys returning on defense. I think they're going to be a very exciting team because they have the money uh, to compete and to recruit. Uh, they're in a state that's not going to give them a lot of hassle about COVID-19. It's a very, very, very conservative state. Uh, I'm interested to see what they can do. Uh, they have, uh, let's see how many guys they have coming back on that offensive line to help this guy out. They have one guy, a transfer they have, has 33 starts uh, just by himself. So uh, only they have 58, only 58 career starts on the offensive line, the fewest in the SEC. Okay, so they have 58, but then the new guy comes in with 33. So 58 and 33 gets him up there until close to the 90s. So he's going to have people to work with. And he's going to have a couple of Jucos that come in. And he's going to probably get a guy from, probably the best guy from. Uh, Are you talking about um, what, what offensive lineman with 33? Are you talking about the kid out of Rutgers? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, just a heads up. That was actually factored in to the starts. To the 58? Yeah. Uh, 51, actually. Or no, I'm sorry. It is 58, but yes, that does uh, that does include uh, the Rutgers Ma Maletti, the Rutgers transfer, uh, Maetti, 33. Yeah, 33 career starts drops to 58, and then uh, they need to rebuild their offensive line. That's the other concern. So uh, the offensive line will have more career starts with the JUCO guys coming in from the transfer portal and then I would imagine that they want right now they're on the phone with the Big Ten guys 
And they're on the phone with the Oregon State offensive line. <laughs> the whole Oregon State offensive line, those guys, to get another guy in there to help coach out, to get up there. Uh, because if you take the 33 out, the rest of the guys only have like 20 starts between them, right? So they're going to be bringing in Drucos and uh, on the transfer portal to try to get people on, on the offensive line. So that's going to be very interesting what Coach is going to be able to do with that. Uh, <clears throat> and they have only four other starters returning on, on the offense. But they're going to have really good skilled players. And the other regime was very, very good at coaching, uh, coaching up and recruiting offensive guys. Like when you look at last year, they had 38, 50, 34, 42. And then they went into a slump when they got into SEC play. So they can recruit offensive guys. It's just a matter of putting them together and organizing them. Uh, at South Carolina, they're going to get killed. They're going to get killed at Tennessee. Is that BYU game going to be played? Because BYU is the last team standing in the West. The last West Coast team who's determined to play during COVID-19 is your BYU Cougars. And they come from the very conservative state of uh, Utah. You're going to get killed by Georgia. They might have a chance against Kentucky. At Mississippi State, they might have a chance. And then Arkansas. So you're looking at maybe three wins for Missouri, unless they can do something with that offensive line. So uh, defense returned seven guys. And the defense last year uh, was pretty decent. They did not give up. The only team that scored over 30 points against them was the Wyoming Cow Cowboys. And that coach, that's a decent big-time coach at uh, Wyoming who won several national titles on lower levels. So he figured out all summer, studying that Missouri Tiger defense and scored more points than any other team scored during the rest of the season. So, uh, what do you think, Dr. First? After reading all that, it seems like all of Missouri's games are probably going under. Yeah, I would say so. Because they got to protect the offensive line. Even if they get really good transfers, uh, they got to keep the offense very simple. Yeah. So, that's your Missouri Tigers. Bet the under. And the only three games they're going to cover is going to be, depending, you know, if it's a crazy line after they start losing, you got to look at it. But from a talent perspective, you got to look at Kentucky, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. Or like my wife likes to say, and if Billy Ray's listening, I'm sorry, Arkansas. The Arkansas Razorbacks. So those are your Missouri Tigers with a brand new spanking $5 billion a year coach, Eli uh, Durkowitz. Next up is uh, South Carolina, uh, Will Muschamp, and the Gamecocks 
Uh, last year, four and eight, I talked about, you know, obviously uh, the highlight of their season was knocking off Georgia. Um, this is a team that was ravaged by injuries last year. Um, really, one, you know, Will Muschamp, you say what you want about him, uh, had his struggles at Florida. But he, he's a very, very talented recruiter, and he's taken that uh, here to South Carolina as well. There's tons of young talent, but the emphasis there on young, the SEC isn't exactly the easiest conference to uh, learn on the fly, if you will. Uh, the other big thing about it, uh, <clears throat> South Carolina is their ability. They, they're bringing back 73 career starts on the offensive line so they can, you know, build around there uh, in terms of having at least somewhat of a base uh, to start with there. But even before this whole crazy stuff came out, um, or well, the, the shutdown and the schedules aren't really going to be what we expected them to be. Uh, they had the number one, the toughest schedule in the country. And it was really no surprise why, obviously, you play in the SEC. Um, and then you also have your, your rivalry game against arguably the best team in the country in Clemson. Right. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, everybody on their schedule that would have made it the number one schedule is going to play football. Um, with all due respect to uh, Coastal Carolina and um, Wofford, you know, I don't think anybody's giving uh, South Carolina a pass because those two teams won't be on the schedule. And uh, who knows if they'll play Eastern Carolina. Um, but if I, I fully expect them to play Clemson if they get some uh, non-conference games uh, with the ACC. But in this situation, Will Muschamp is fifth year at South Carolina, uh, 26 and 25. Is it the hot seat? I, I don't think so because last year there, there were so many injuries and I don't think I have to you know, tell anybody how, how easy it can be for things to get out of control in the SEC once you start to lose. But uh, I did look at their last uh, five games. Um, or I'm sorry, their last – or no, their last two games they got absolutely demolished. Um, actually make, make that three games, excuse me, going back to that Appalachian State game, a team that kind of packed it in late. And I think that's where the young, um, the youth comes in um, and maybe where Will Muschamp probably leaves some, some coaching to be desired with uh, trying to keep his kids, their head, uh, keep their head on straight after they take a little bit of adversity. Because when you play the number one schedule in the country, I guarantee you very early and often you will have adversity, especially with this team that I think will be better than four and eight. Um, now, obviously I don't know how many games they are going to play, but on a regular season, I would see them as a seven, maybe eight win team, but seven for sure. Uh, especially considering 73 returns, uh, 73 starts returning on the offensive line is a nice place to start uh, overall. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a little biased when it comes to what Mushamp. Because uh, I met him personally a couple times, and uh, when you meet him personally, he is just like the nicest guy ever. Very, very, very nice guy. And him, like Kirby Smart, uh, and it's funny because his name is Kirby Smart, but uh, they're Mensa. They're members of Mensa. And what that means is that they're really smart. <laughs> That's what that means. Uh, you just don't become a member of Mensa. You can't just, like, apply Say, oh, I want, I want to be a Mensa. No. You got to show a certain level of verifiable uh, different types of intelligences. He's a very, very smart man. And uh, he has converted his intelligence. Because 
like anything else, you can be smart, but there's a lot of homeless people walking the streets right now who are brilliant, smart people. You talk to them, and you'll have a great conversation. You'll learn a lot because they're brilliant. But this guy has converted his brilliance into $100 million. He's very, very good at investing. Uh, he won a national title as a defensive coordinator for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, he is a Bill Belichick, uh, Nick Saban disciple. He runs that defense we talk about. Uh, so that defense is up and down the, the SEC, right? You can have Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, and South Carolina playing that same defense. So when you know that, you know they're going to cover Georgia, right? Because uh, South Carolina's offense is going to feel comfortable against the Georgia defense because it's the same defense they run in practice. Same type of athlete, same time for everything, right? Because both guys are similar. So that game is always going to be, uh, you know, it's always going to be a close game. Probably the edge will go to Georgia this year because of what happened last year. Uh, again, uh, Dr. First was right. They were ravaged by injuries, and that's because he works them too hard. That, that's been the knock on Coach Muschamp is that he works his team way too hard. He's way too intense. They told him about not having the crazy eyes he has on the sidelines. <laughs> this spooked everybody else when you see that because he's one of those guys. Yeah, he's nice to me. Uh, we knew one of his players. But when he gets on the practice field, he turns into a completely different guy. And that guy was scaring alumni that would go to practice. It was scaring the administration. And we always talk about the 95% of people do not have the capacity to change. Moshev is so smart. He's always looking to change, right? And he made a great change in bringing in Colorado State former head coach Mike Bobo to head that offense. And man, is that going to make a difference, right? And then you have Trinity League uh, quarterback, Ryan Holinsky, who did a great job. There were a lot of courage and playing hurt and won that Georgia game and had him in some other games they probably shouldn't have been in. So I look for a big bounce back year. Uh, I'm going to talk about a bubble and control freak and perfect guy for this situation as well, much yeah, because he he probably knows the science better than Dr. Fauci does or Dr. Burks or Gavin Newsom or anybody else because he's, he he's just a flat-out, very intelligent man. Uh, look for him to blow out Missouri, beat Kentucky in a close game, and I feel they might beat Florida, but Florida has bigger fish to fry this year. They want to get Georgia and LSU. But look for South Carolina and Mike Bobo, right, to go head-to-head. To, head to head. There's some big head-to-head -head coaching competitions. And it's good. that's going to be uh, must what? Like, I'm going to say must watch, but it's going to be the only game on. <laughs> it's going to be one of those only games on. Uh and that's going to be October the 3rd at Florida. And, Dr. First, I think they're going to stagger these games. You might have, like, SEC uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, every day SEC football. Who knows what they're going to do with the schedule? I hope so. 
I'm definitely watching that. Todd Grantham against Mike Bobo in a bubble. They can't even go out to dinner with their wives, or now they can talk them out of it easier. <laughs> with COVID-19, all these guys are going to do is watch film, right? And the more I think about it, I think uh, a lot of these games are going to go under. Because if you're watching a lot of films, they know how to stop the other team. And guys like Mike Bobo is going to learn how to control the ball because they want to rest up that defense, that brilliant defense that Coach Munchamp was coming with. Now, when you look at the defensive coordinator for South Carolina, all right, it's Travis Robinson. And I can guarantee you that Mr. Robinson does know his knows, but he's there to recruit. He's a recruiting guy, and he's done so well in recruiting, they're going to give him a defensive coordinator salary. But believe you me, Will Muschamp is running that defense. He's designing that defense, has been designing it since March. <laughs> and uh, your South Carolina Gamecocks are going to surprise some people. And, man, I'm right now, I'll, I'll say it right now, once the line comes out for this game, it might be a line out there, I am going to bet that inflated line Dr. Fresh was talking about, he's all over it. He's already paying. His wedding's already paid, and now he's going to the next step. <laughs> paying whatever else needs to be paid. A house. And he's going to pay a portion of the house with Florida inflated lines. It's going to be a Florida inflated line against South Carolina. And we'll, we'll cover it. And I'm going to put a little bit on that uh, money line, South Carolina against Florida. That's my game right there. And then Vanderbilt with Coach Mason that we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, that has under written all over it. So when two defensive coaches play each other, I have made a lot of money betting the under. All right? So he's playing defensive guy in Kentucky. At Florida, Coach Mullen, he likes to control the ball and keep those, uh, those scores down. Uh, Tennessee, the foot. Uh, you got two Nick Saban disciples going against each other uh, at Tennessee. Look for that game to go under. Vanderbilt, Coach Mason, Kirby Smart, LSU. Make that money playing South Carolina in the under. And then the points. And if you want for fun, put a little, put $5 on South Carolina to upset the Florida Gators, October the 3rd. What are your thoughts, Dr. First? I already uh, pretty much laid them out with South Carolina. Um, but next is uh, Tennessee. And this is actually a team for me that um, I think maybe could be a possibly if, if something breaks differently, maybe uh, mainly, mainly with Georgia. If Georgia struggles, maybe Tennessee could be – I really like Tennessee last year. Obviously, look, they started two and five. Uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier how they struggled mightily to start the year. You know, losing to Georgia State, losing to BYU. No disrespect to BYU, but Tennessee will not be okay with uh, a loss to BYU. Um, they obviously are not going to feel good about a 34 to three drubbing that they took to, from Florida. Um, but once they lost to Alabama, 35-13, obviously no, um, no, you know, sadness there. 
they got it together. They won six in a row, including um, the uh, Gator Bowl, where they uh, beat Indiana by only a point. This is a team Jeremy Pruitt, I think, proved last year. Uh, rather, I think kind of conversely to what Will Muschamp did last year, where we saw with Will Muschamp, maybe the wheels fall off late in, late in the year when you know, you kind of realize, hey, we're not going to compete for a conference title or, you know, we might be looking at a Belk Bowl or something like that. Uh, the kids start to kind of, you know, maybe don't put in full effort. I think Jeremy Pruitt um, at least proved that his guys did put in. Uh, the one main thing, Josh is going to absolutely love this. Uh, we look at career starts on the offensive line. 115, whenever you're in triple digits, that's exactly where you want to be. Um, I, I think it's probably the best unit on Tennessee and could possibly be argued that it is the best unit in the SEC. We'll see how that goes when the season begins. Um, I really like Tennessee. My question mark is, is Jeremy Pruitt going to stick with Jarrett uh, Guarantano or is he going to kind of do what he did last year where go with the hot hand? Um, uh, he used Guarantano, I think in every single of the last, or all of the last six games, he either started or came off the bench. So a lot of juggling, which is fine. Um, but look, let's be honest. If, if, if Tennessee wants to win 10 or 11 games, um, they're going to need to have one quarterback that they can absolutely count on. So that would be my question mark. But look, 51 returning lettermen, including nine on the offense and 11 on the defense. Uh, those are starters. Um, but 51 returning lettermen, only 16 lost. I think Tennessee could be a team. I think they're the third best team by far in this division. And uh, they're definitely a team that I could keep an eye on. Now, you know, I'm not going to go out and say they're better than Florida or Georgia. But I, like I said, I could see Georgia maybe stumbling with JT Daniels or with the true fresh or the redshirt freshman running back. And I could see Tennessee being the second best team in this division. Well, Jeremy Pruitt, right? He coached under, uh, and that's and that's very interesting, right? He's really, in a way, he's the Matt Patricia of the SEC. Matt Patricia is a disciple of uh, of Bill Belichick, and his dad knew Belichick, and he got on the staff. Same thing with Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt is a disciple of Nick Satan, and Nick Satan and Belichick are best friends. Great special on, F on HBO where uh, they sit down on a conversation with uh, Nick Satan and Bill Belichick as they meet every year and they spend the whole day to together talking football. Uh, so Jeremy Pruitt fits that mold. And Jeremy Pruitt has gone four and eight, five and seven, and eight and five. Uh, Garitano, God bless him, man. He has played with a horrible line. He's gotten beat up a lot. He keeps coming back. But he's one of those guys that takes defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, he's won me a lot of money betting against him, including the bowl game where they were big favorite and Dr. First tonight won that as uh, Indiana had a big plus number in that bowl game and ended up covering, didn't they? It was only minus two, according to Phil Steele. They, uh, Indiana covered, but it was only minus two. But Indiana covered, right? Yeah, yeah. The, and they went by one. And I think they what Phil Steele's looking at. Yeah, I think Phil's looking at is the uh, opening line. That got bitted up, I believe, to over a field goal. So it was like plus four 
by the time we got our hands on it. So it was more than a field goal. And I couldn't imagine, because people love to bet these SEC teams, and they kept betting it and betting it. But uh, Indiana covered anyways, right? 23-22. It's crazy. So whatever the line was, we knew Indiana was going to cover because Jeremy Pruitt gets out coach. He's trying to be too much like Nick Saban. But one thing he has done extremely well is that salesmen think short-term. Businessmen think long-term. So, uh, interesting because a lot of people felt Bush Jones was a great recruiter. Uh, but maybe uh, those uh, those were inflated numbers on the recruits coming in. They weren't as good as the hype. Or maybe they weren't developed. We don't know. But Jeremy Pruitt obviously felt that it wasn't a developmental issue with Bush Jones' guys. He felt that those highly touted, high-ranking classes Bush Jones had was overrated. So he completely... Uh, overhauled the roster, and he developed that line, and he has Jim Cheney as the offensive coordinator, and Cheney was the offensive coordinator at Georgia, that team that went to the playoffs and lost on a last-second throw by Tua. He is a great developer of offensive line and with 115 starts returning and then you got nine guys returning on offense that tells me again and and i felt this a lot reviewing teams and previews that you really have to bet a lot the under of these games i think i went three and oh today under nba games (laughs) there's a thing to the under because uh, I don't think a lot of people are putting in a lot of sophisticated offensive schemes because uh, it goes back to the podcast I did uh, Tuesday about the amygdala brain. When you're on the amygdala panic side of your brain, you can't process complicated information. So if everybody's uh, – and these, a lot of these guys like Jimmy Johnson have psychology degrees. A lot of these coaches have psychology degrees. So I am – and I'm going to make some phone calls, find out. But I would think that a lot of these coaches don't want to put in sophisticated offenses in uh, because everybody's in panic mode with COVID-19. And a lot of these games are going to go under. I know uh, we've been able to monetize that on football. It'll be interesting if we can monetize that as well. Uh, we've done it. We monetized it on basketball. And now we want to translate that, extrapolate that to monetize it with football and the under, right? Uh, Especially when they play in defensive coaches, right? South Carolina, Alabama, Kentucky, Georgia, Vanderbilt. Those are five games that almost blindly I would bet the under and I would win three out of five. What do you think about those unders, Dr. First? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's – Definitely 100%. It's hard, you know, not knowing quite the situation of everything. But, yeah, I, I think – Yeah, from a macro level, you know. Well, yeah, definitely. talking about when you're talking about um, the SEC, I think the SEC is really kind of the one conference, maybe outside of the Big Ten, where they actively um, look for 
uh, like go out of their way to get defensive <laughs> talent. They, yeah, I mean, we don't, we, you, you look at the, uh, probably the best player, the best defensive player in the Big 12 probably would struggle to start on certain teams in the SEC. Right. Um, and it's just the way it is. I mean, it's not a knock or anything, but um, it, it's well, just culture too. It's culture too for years. The SEC is unders. Yeah. Um, but obviously Vegas is ready for that. So you'll see the Big 12 you you know, with 6-5, and, and, and then you'll see the, the Georgia-Florida game will be, you know, 41, you know, 20 right. or 38. Yeah. So it, and sometimes games will go over when some teams have to look for Tennessee to have a really good run game. Uh, and some people do, like, college fantasy or whatever. Uh, an easy college fantasy thing is uh, the, the Tennessee running backs. Because that's what Jim Chaney does. And with so many career starts returning, Jim Chaney can put in some sophisticated stuff in the run game, right? It, it's funny. I was in line at Starbucks, and a guy saw the shirt that I had on, and we started having a conversation six feet apart from each other in Starbucks waiting for our order. We had called in for the contactus contactless experience at Starbucks. And <laughs> that's what happens. We get two football maniacs together talking about how most offensive linemen have 3.5 to 4.0 GPAs. Most of these guys are engineers, doctors, even if they play in the NFL. So if the Tennessee linemen, right, which I'm sure a few do fit the stereotype, there's some really sophisticated run game things that Coach Feeney can't put in, even in the middle of a pandemic, uh, for George, uh, for Tennessee to get those run game numbers up and keep a lot of these games under. Uh, and Tennessee, when they get into a situation against South Carolina, Alabama, right? Uh, those two games, regardless of what the number is, Jeremy Pruitt's going to get out coached. He's going to get out coached in those situations. Uh, he's a control freak. He has Jimmy Bumbra as a defensive coordinator to recruit, and he's doing the strategy. He never got Nick Satan, never let him do strategy at Georgia, so at uh, Alabama. So now that he's at Tennessee, he's like, damn it, I'm, I run this place. I'm, I'm going to come up with a defensive strategy and get a recruiter who, who's high, uh, who's a great recruiter, and give him a defensive coordinator salary. Well, I'm really the defensive coordinator. We get numbers on the staff to be competitive. But it's not going to be enough in big games. And then when you look at Jeremy Perez's history, because we bet on games the same way we buy stock. And the stock, you use fundamental analysis and fundamental analysis. You look at corporate governance. That's why we study these coaches. And Jeremy Pruitt was – the national championship defensive coordinator with none other Jimbo Fisher and Jameis Winston with the Florida State Criminals. So he won a national championship there as a defensive coordinator. Then he goes to Georgia, does a great job there. And then he wins a national title as defensive coordinator with Nick Satan. So that defense, man, that defense wins the national championship of the Super Bowl. 
between Bill Belichick, between Nick Satan, and uh, Jeremy Pruitt has two national title rings uh, to go with it. But I still think he gets out coached in those high-end situations, especially when you're playing Georgia, where it's that same defense. And it's interesting, all the teams that have that defense, South Carolina, uh, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, and now Mississippi. So that's five teams in the SEC running the exact same defense, but you can't argue because that's like 15 Super Bowls and national titles between. So that's your Tennessee Volunteers. And it's going to be sad, man, because my whole life I've seen there's 115,000 people here in Neyland Stadium. Not this year. Or maybe there'll be 23,000, right? Six feet apart. Because... They're what? And, and the number 23,000 I'm taking from two places, NASCAR, and they're going to allow 23,000 people in what? The Kentucky Derby, which we'll be covering too. Mainly uh, Dr. First and uh, Raider Jim are going to be covering the Kentucky Derby. Getting set for that. And that's your Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, next up is Vanderbilt, uh, obviously. Three and nine last year. Derek Mason, seventh year um, at Vanderbilt, 27 and 47. Um, situation, obviously, look, they're not never a whole lot of expectations for Vanderbilt. Uh, the one thing I will say about them is you're going to see some inflated lines. Um, in the last 10 years, they've only won 53 games, but they've covered the spread an extra 10 times uh, to go over that, actually. So um, that's something to keep an eye on. And for a team that is bringing back 11 defensive starters. Now, wow. are those defensive starters that great? No, but they do have a year or two of experience, at least being at they this level. They for a whole year. At least, at the very least, they should have six to eight more pounds of muscle. Yeah, and um, so you have that. They at least know the system, understand what they need, uh, what, what's expected of them. This is a team that, I mean – they would never do it, um, but would would be uh, better off maybe, you know, in the Sun Belt, uh, the AAC, something like that. Uh, Vanderbilt, uh, two, well, let's see, what year was it? Um, 2012 and 2004, uh, 2012 and 2013, they won nine games. Um, and since then, the most they've won is six. So the, they, they need to get back. Obviously, I believe those were the, no, no, definitely not. Never mind. Uh, I thought for a minute maybe it was the Cutler days, but those were the early 2000s. Um, Kyle Shermer, uh, I believe Pat Shermer was there. Uh, Pat Shermer's son was there. But at right. the same time, this is a team that is going to get very big numbers, and they're going to cover most of the time. Not every, not all the time. They covered a lot for me last year. Even though they had three and nine years, they covered a lot because Derek Mace is a great defensive coordinator. Exactly. Yeah, so Derek Mace is a great defensive coordinator. Uh, he comes from the Harbaugh-Shaw uh, pedigree. Uh, he does a lot less with more. And for him going from Stanford to Vanderbilt, makes sense. Gloria Vanderbilt from the Vanderbilt family from the 1880s made billions of dollars. And who – the younger Vanderbilt, who's – her son, right? Anderson Cooper from CNN. It's Gloria Vanderbilt's son, 
that I always think about the Vanderbilt dynasty, right? They created Vanderbilt University and they did a great job. Vanderbilt's considered the Harvard of the South, Vanderbilt. They have one of the best hospitals in the country. So it was supposed to be Stanford was the point COVID for the Pac-12. It didn't work out that way. Something happened. But I know that USF is the hospital system for the AAC, and they're coordinating the AAC as they're playing. Vanderbilt Hospital is coordinating with the SEC and handling all the testing and all the research for COVID-19. Comes out of Vanderbilt University. That said, Derek Mason is very strict. Harborough family is very strict. If you go to Vanderbilt, you are going to have a 3.0 average in high school and at least a 1260 SAT. And you are going to graduate. Now, Derek Mason was given a good hand uh, with a coach that said now at Penn State, James Franklin, gave him a really good hand, great at recruiting. He goes four and eight, six and seven, five and seven, six and seven, three and nine last year. They go to a bowl game in uh, 16, 13 his first year. Uh, 16 and 18. So he's done a phenomenal job there. Done less with more. He has a great scheme on defense to keep the guys in the game. Uh, for a while there, he had the offensive coordinator that was at San Diego State, and he's now at Utah. And they did a great job with scheme-wise, uh, being able to do less with more. Now he has... Uh, a, a gentleman that I know who's very, very serious guy in uh, Todd Finch. He comes from the Lou Holtz family. When I knew him, Skip Holtz was the coach at USF. He was the offensive coordinator. And whatever guy I tutored at the school that was on his offense, he was on the phone with me every week wanting to know the progress of it. Todd Finch, very, very serious guy. Uh, very good strategist. He will get the most out of out of the talent there, right? Uh, but again, from Lou Holtz tree, so they're going to be able to run that football. Uh, again, this is a developmental team. Uh, let's say forty-eight career starts for them. That's not going to be that good, right? You need these guys to be at least in the 80 because they're, they're a developmental team. Five on offense. But as Dr. First said, 11 on defense. Man, Dr. First, are we talking under on these Vanderbilt games? Not only are they going to cover, but these games are going to go under. Uh, yeah, I would assume so. But, I mean, like I said, I, I still – there are definitely going to be times where um, Vegas will be ready for those unders. So – not not just a, a blind under on everything, but definitely when it comes to Vanderbilt, if you're going to feel comfortable, um, yeah, it's going to be the, the unders or yeah. the, you know, plus 35s that they're going to get. Yeah, but uh, knowing us, right, let's say uh, the over-under is 35, and it's on a weekend in Vegas, and it goes over, let's say, 42, 
uh, jump on it in a heartbeat. Because it's going over a key number and it's being betted up by the public. Vegas thought it was 35. The public comes in, makes it 42. Uh, then you maybe don't bet blindly. Watch these guys play. See how the defense has developed. And if, let's see, last year they gave up 30, 42, 66, tells you, uh, Burrow. Uh, they came back last, the next week and played hard, 18 in Northern Illinois. They probably should have shut them out if they were good, right, SEC team. You got 18 points on them. Mississippi, 31. Then all those coaches were fired. UNLV scored 34 points on them. Wow. That goes to Dr. First Point on talent. You know, Lee can hang 34 on you. You're not that good. It's only so, so good you can get on in here. But then they come back and they outcoach the Missouri staff. That's why all those guys got fired. <laughs> they got completely outcoached. And to their defense, whatever they played vanilla against US, uh, UNLV was not the same defense they played in conference against Missouri. Uh, a hurt. South Carolina team put 24 points on them. Florida, 56. Kentucky, 38. They do show some pride. And they go ahead and they shut out East Tennessee. And then Tennessee scores 28 points on them. So they might get some big lines because they, they were horrible last year. So it'll be interesting if they dial up something new. This is the type of situation where you come up with a gimmick defense. Heck, got nothing loose. <laughs> come out there with two defensive linemen, uh, ten, and two defensive linemen, and nine uh, defensive backs. They're the team to run the ball and flood. You know, come up with a gimmick defense, man. What, what do you have to lose? You know, you know these hanging thirty-four on you. <laughs> What do you have to lose with a gimmick defense and try to cause some some turnovers as well? So that's 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 Missouri for you. Uh, Vanderbilt. Yeah, Vanderbilt, Missouri. Those teams are in the same side of my brain. That's uh, very very similar teams. Uh, the only difference I would say is that Missouri has a a new young offensive coach, and Vanderbilt has an old defensive coach, but whose defense is a disaster at this point. But hopefully they learned a lot. <laughs> they have them all coming back. So hopefully these guys learned a lot. But COVID-19 is going to be interesting, right? Because you would say uh, they gave up points. They were horrible. All these guys, man, let's start spring practice early and let's get all these guys in the weight room, right? They haven't been able to get to the weight room because of COVID-19. Did that rich Vanderbilt alumni send weights to the house and stuff like that? So this is going to be a crazy year because that's going to be the difference, right? It's going to be uh, the teams in the yes, – we only have four conferences playing like, like Rihanna said. <laughs> so it's going to be which teams in that four conferences had alumni shipping weights to the house, how many illegal practices – to be honest, LSU never stopped practicing. <laughs> Every time I saw the Twitter or whatever, it was an LSU practice, and I don't think they ever stopped practicing, and there was never any social distancing laws. 
or anything like that in uh, Louisiana, in the SEC territory, Alabama, never had any shutdown or any six feet or mass law. Um, you have the sheriff in Florida who will arrest people who wear masks. <laughs> and anybody who wears a mask in the sheriff's department is immediately fired. Uh, we'll put a link to the, the story on that sheriff in the episode notes. So LSU never stopped practicing. So I don't know. Did, a, did Vanderbilt do that? Maybe not. And uh, those guys needed to be in the weight room, but they didn't have a weight room to go to because of COVID-19. So that's, uh, that is your Vanderbilt Commodores. And for those who did not know that Anderson Cooper was Gloria Vanderbilt's son, now you know. Next up, uh, we switch to the SEC West and uh, Alabama. Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, this is a team and coach that I've been following my whole life. Uh, and it's and you follow a guy like Nick Saban. I call him Nick Satan. The reason I call him Nick Satan is uh, because he did seem like uh, the guy from Saturday Night Knife who plays Satan. And he goes up one day as coach of the Miami Dolphins. And I'm watching the press conference uh, on the TV in my restaurant. And he goes, under no circumstances are myself and Miss Terry going to Alabama. If you believe those rumors, you're sadly mistaken. I'm coming back next year and coaching the Miami Dolphins. Then the next day, he's like, I'd like to thank the alumni here at the University of Alabama for welcoming me, Miss Terry and I, as I am the new coach. <laughs> so he, he lied like Satan, uh, the character in Saturday Night Live. But he is... Uh, by all accounts, the most detailed coach in the history of uh, college football. He has six national championships. And if you are a football fan and make money watching football uh, and you're in business, you have no choice other than study uh, Nick Saban. Uh, Again, fundamental analysis. You under you 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 study corporate governance in order to 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 invest in a stock. And a lot of coaches, right? Like the founders of Hooters chain, they're all football coaches. And they go back to John Gruden's dad. That John Gruden's dad is one of the original founders of Hooters restaurant. And they run the restaurant the same way they run a football team. And that has become a multi-billion dollar franchise. Uh, the most richest top five, richest Mercedes dealerships in the country is in Birmingham, Alabama, Nick Satan or Nick Saban Mercedes. So Nick Saban, uh, whatever he does, very, very successful. Miss Terry, uh, they say Miss Terry makes the, one of the best chocolate chip cookies of all time. 
And if you're a recruit at Alabama and you get to the point where Nick Satan or Nick Saban invites you to his house, Miss Terry is going to cook you the best chocolate chip cookie of all time. Everything these people do is very detail-oriented, and they win, right? Uh, He wins a national championship at LSU. His offensive coordinator is Jimbo Fetcher, the head coach of Texas A&M, who won a national championship with Jeremy Pruitt as his defensive coordinator. So he gets the best guys in the country. Uh, you learn a lot about business from uh, Coach Saban. And one of the ways I've made money using Coach Saban's uh, process is never sell yourself short. I've told almost every single client I've had in business concierge, triple, whatever you're charging, triple it. Because you're selling yourself short. And Miss Terry came up to Coach Saban when he was in Michigan State and said, Honey, you're selling yourself short. If they don't give us SYC, you need to go to LSU. And they didn't, right? So he went to LSU for more money. He wins the national championship. He gets more money with the Miami Dolphins, right? And then uh, he goes and takes a big contract. He's been making $7 million a year for the last, uh, I think he started there 2007. So for the last 13 years, he's been making $7 million a year, and he's taking the money, he invested it, and he becomes the top five Mercedes dealership in the country and the most richest Mercedes dealership in Birmingham, Alabama. Starting quarterback is probably going to be Bryce Young. It's important for them because they have the defense down pat. But the guy that played in the Citrus Bowl against Michigan, he looked really good. Mark Jones. Uh, With this guy, it's almost between great and greater. So the offensive line is either going to be great or greater. He's both, right? Uh, Clay Helton's actually a really good recruiter. Clay Helton gets a lot of guys in the NFL. He's a good judge of talent. But what Clay Helton is not is a developer of talent. So Clay Helton Hanks is not developer talent. Uh, it's going to be interesting because Nick Saban has always been phenomenal at developing talent, but Cochran the strength and conditioning coach at Alabama. He was making $800,000 a year. Kirby Smart, who knows him for being 10 years at Alabama, says, listen, I'm going to give you $1.2 million to come with me to Georgia and develop these guys, and I'm going to make you a positions coach. So he's coaching tight ends or something in addition or special teams in addition to the strength coach to justify $1.2 million. So Nick Saban's going to re- replace him. I don't think this year will be that hard. And you know, Nick Sa- uh, uh, Saban has cameras everywhere. It makes things right up. So the new guy coming in uh, probably is just going to be just as good, but there's something up Kirby Smart's sleeve. With Mike Bubb was the offensive coordinator, now Cochran on there. 
that they're probably better. The Georgia staff is probably better than most NFL team staff. So on the offensive line for your roll tide, right? Uh, they have 15 very highly touted, right? And they have, let's see, what's the difference between great and greater? So they're 49, 49 career starts. So they're going to be a great offensive line. They're not going to be greater. Uh, look at the sizes of these guys. Your right guard, 6'6", 308. Left guard, 6'4", 338. And here, left tackle, even Neal, sophomore, 6'7", 360 pounds. That's what Keith Jackson used to call the big hogs. <laughs> so you're going to take him, and this is what makes Alabama Alabama, because you're going to take him, and you're going to run behind him. And, and I guarantee you, let me ask you something, Doctor. First, if you ran behind him, how many yards per carry would you have? Five or six yards? Uh, thank you for that, but not even close. But this guy will. I'd, no, I'd I'm do. telling you, man, there will be nobody coming close to you. You have yeah. a whole thing to run. So that, again, that's why I say between great and greater. So when he develops that guy, that guy's going to be a monster. Defensive line. Uh, they just keep rolling, rolling. LSU, they're going to cover against LSU. So never bet more than 25% of the bankroll. And that's why this guy's business, right? Uh, Nick's statement is business. So I am going to bet. How many times have you said, heard me say this? I don't think you've ever heard me say this. So for the first time, Dr. First is going to hear something from me that I rarely say. I am, when the line comes out, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to bet 25% of the bankroll uh, Alabama against Tennessee. Money line, maybe, depending what the money line is. But I uh, got to do it early because Tennessee's, uh, I mean, LSU is going to lose. So you got to do it early, right? Uh, LSU is going to roll. I think the only issue might be, and it's going to be early, it's going to be that September 19th game against Georgia, against Cochran. Because if you look at that special with Bill Belichick and Nick Satan, Nick Satan says that the number one thing he hates is when a coach that he's mentored and who's made in the business steals one of his assistants, right? Jeremy Pruitt, all these guys. And uh, Kirby Smart stealing Cochran from him? Man, he's fuming. He is fuming. Because Cochran has been the highest paid strength and conditioning coach uh, in the history of college football. Not just getting $1.2 million. But Nick Saban and a lot of his ex-assistants, including Kiffin, have caught him Satan. Because he works his assistants hard. He makes them work 20-hour days. But they do get paid well. And they end up going to other places and making a lot of money. So I think they're going to roll through their schedule. Auburn beat them last year. So that's another 25% of the bankroll. Uh, and I see them rolling. 
I think the toughest game of the season is going to be against one of his protégés, but that never steals a guy from him. He shows him a lot of respect, Jimbo Fisher. And we'll talk about Jimbo Fisher, but uh, Texas A&M is going to be a lot better, and he has the quarterback that's in Achilles' heel to that defense. What type of quarterback beats that Bill Belichick, Nick Satan, Pete Carroll, and all these guys' defense, running quarterback? And Mon can run and not only throw it, and he's a fourth-year starter who's seen everything. So 25% of the bankroll on the LSU game. Then I go the other way, Texas A&M, which might be an inflated line if uh, Roll Tide rolls over my boy Coach O and then rolls into, uh, I don't think maybe Jimbo beats him, but it's going to be very close. And the other thing, too, is that uh, I think Nick Satan is either 12-0 and or 11-1 against ex-assistant coaches. So look for them. It's a big grudge against Mississippi. So look at that line. Uh, that's a game I'm going to study, see what Lane Kiffin can bring to the table. But look for them to roll over LSU. And then um, – and in the beginning of this podcast, in the music, we have that speech by Coach O. It's going to be very relevant to us making money this year. And then you're going to look at uh, Jimbo Fisher covering, because the other thing is Coach Satan doesn't want to show too much. He wants to keep something in his back pocket against Gus Malzahn and Auburn, the Auburn Tigers, who did beat them last year. But that's Alabama in a nutshell if you want to make money. Uh, bet under early and then bet over late on your Alabama Crimson Tide, who, uh, because of our study of Alabama, we make a lot of money on Alabama games, especially when they have those inflated lines. Yeah, and for me, it's uh, the inflated lines, and, and just an exact, you know, example of that is uh, – you know, the last 10 years for Alabama, straight up 124 and 15 against the spread, 76 and 61. Um, so plenty of games. Hey, 124 and 15, that's amazing over a 10-year run. Um, but not covering the spread. Uh, in, in a lot of those games, you have almost 50 games that um, they didn't cover the spread. To me, that's five extra covers a year in those 10 games and they haven't won 10 games against the spread since 2016. So um, I do expect them to return, but I also don't expect um, a, a season in which majority are covers. Um, I think, um, yeah, that LSU is going to be one, but I, I will get to Texas a we'll get to Texas A&M in a little bit. Um, but that would be one for me right now that I would. In a nugget, in a nugget uh, that statistic is the, uh... So still uses opening lines. So maybe a lot of those closing lines were inflated. That that number is even higher on games in Alabama. Didn't cover when you get inflated lines in some casino who, who likes to take advantage of people, right? Those lines might have even been even more inflated. Yeah. But, I mean, it's going to be an Alabama team. 12, 12 returning starters, um, obviously. I personally, I think the way um, Nick Saban has gone about things, it's going to take a whole lot. Um, I mean, we're going to see Bryce Young start at Alabama. 
uh, the way Nick Saban has gone usually about things is he can uh, run, man. the, the freshman will take over late. You know, I think we saw it with Tua in the – it was at the Georgia game um, as a true freshman. But ended up, uh, you know, he was sticking with Jalen Hurts, the veteran, uh, until – or no, it wasn't Jalen Hurts. But anyway, whoever it was um, – Stuck with them. So I think it'll be Mac Jones. I think it's Nick for at least to start. Um, and then if Nick Saban can pull the plug real quick, we know that. Um, but I think we'll see a healthy dose of, dose of both by the end of the year. No, you're absolutely right. And I can guarantee you this. This is 100% because we know him so well. Bryce Young has a package. Even if he doesn't fully start the whole year, so old school, right? where you have a package for the Wildcat quarterback to come in and short yardage or whatever. Bryce Young has too much talent to keep off the field. There's a package for him, right? The plays, packages, a set of 10, 15 plays that they practice over and over and over again. They're designed for a running quarterback to go against a specific defense. So 100% Bryce Young has a package set up for him. By Steve Sarkeesian, again, Steve Sarkeesian, who's offensive coordinator in the NFL and won a uh, won what? I think he won uh, at least two national championships at USC as a coordinator. Pete Carroll. I'm sure he uh, kept plenty of uh, bartenders in the Los Angeles area very uh, well and burst. Uh, yes. Sure. Well, he's in a good place, Birmingham. Birmingham, I believe, is a dry county. One of the few dry counties out there. Yeah, because that stops them, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> all you got to do is put an alcoholic in a dry county and it's all good. <laughs> well, at least it, they make it harder on. No, I understand, but. You're going to have to do a lot of maneuvering, a lot of talking to people, especially COVID-19 people are not supposed to be outside. What's Steve Sarkeesian doing outside? Talking to the alcohol guy. Right? And that's the thing, too. Everybody knows each other, right? Well, man, Nick Saban will come get you if you're the alcohol guy and you're anywhere near Steve Sarkeesian messing with his offensive coordinator. You might get killed doing that, man. Trooper sees you. Oh, you're the alcohol guy, and you're going to Sarkeesian's house? (laughs) South is a different breed, man. But, yeah, no, drought counties usually are the ones that have the most alcohol, and it's easier to get alcohol. Well, and you also, when generally dry counties have – you know, stills, homemade illegal stills that aren't exactly sitting there and uh, going by the FDA or the eight, you know? So right. yeah, their, their corn liquor is a little heavier than my IPA. Right. But uh, moving on to Arkansas next up, um, that we go polar opposites folks um, from a team like Alabama that has been stable um, and the top dog for the last 10 years, pretty much, um, to Arkansas, a team that uh, bringing in Sam Pittman his first year, trying to hopefully rebound from – Great name for an SEC coach in the South, though. Sam Pittman. Let's introduce our head coach, Sam Pittman. He's going to be the head coach of our Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah, and uh, so they went 2-10 and ten last year. Uh, didn't win an SEC game. One thing that I, I know, that jumped out to me um, last year, though, going 2-10, and ten, they did win five games. They did cover five times, so that was three extra covers. So 
there are going to be some inflated lines that they'll be able to take advantage of. But um, just to show you, now, look, you got 14 returning starters. That's great. But what is really returning? And um, this is a team that obviously this isn't going to happen, but would have been possibly looking at a Nevada team um, that if Nevada beats them, it would be the third straight year a Mountain West team has come to Fayetteville. And now the Mountain West isn't terrible, but it was Colorado State two years ago. And last year, it was San Jose State, who barely wow. wins multiple games in the Mountain West, who went to Fayetteville. Um, Nevada's not going to do it. But out of those three teams, Nevada was the most talent out of those three Mountain West teams. So that would have been wow. interesting to see. Doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. But that just kind of shows you where Arkansas is as a program. Right. I do believe it was Burt Bilema who was there last year. And um, no, no. I know uh, Bilema, he was there, Bilema it was, was bad. Yeah, he was replaced by uh, okay. a guy by the name of uh, Chad Morris. He was the offensive coordinator at Clemson. And then he was the head coach at SMU. And he coached Arkansas for two years. Uh, Billima, I forgot where Billima is. I think Billima is now the offensive line coach for the New England Patriots. Gotcha. But, um, you know, and, and I try and find a revenge game. I try and find something. I think anything for these guys. Um, they, they need improvement, obviously. The non-conference schedule, not happening for the most part. Um, at least the, the easy Charleston Southern was on the schedule. Uh, Louisiana Monroe, who probably might have beaten them. But still, um, now when you're looking at nine games against the SEC foes and then one against what, and either ACC or AAC, you're right. not getting an FCS school. You're not getting a Louisiana Monroe. Um, so I could very easily see Arkansas going Owen, whatever, 11, 10, 9, whatever it comes out to be. Um, but I could see a couple covers in those. Um, they have a home game against um, Mississippi. They have, uh, assuming everything stays the same, the dates won't stay the same, but uh, I assume the venues will. Uh, they also have a home game against Tennessee, which is is a possibility, kind of what we talked about with Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, maybe not somebody you, you would just think, oh, they're going to win every single game that they're better than. Uh, that could be one that... Tennessee will win. Now, will they cover the probably 21 points? I don't know about that. So they're, they're an interesting team in terms of inflated lines um, because they're so bad, but it is warranted. And like I said, I go back to the Colorado State. Hey, you know, they, they have some teams and they have some really good uh, situations, but there is zero excuse for you to lose to San Jose State. As an SEC school, you cannot lose to San Jose State, period. And I know it was last year, and it doesn't really matter, but that just shows you where this program is. And you don't go in the SEC from 2-10 and 10 losing uh, to San Jose State to uh, a bowl team overnight or in a year or even two. Yeah, no, and it's interesting to see what happened to Chad Morris because he's a really good guy, uh, really great career. Uh, you know, he wins a national championship at Clemson as an offensive coordinator, parlays that to SMU, and goes to Arkansas, and things really go south. He goes 2-10 and 10 and 2-10, and 2-20. And 
And here comes Sam Pittman. So uh, this is happening again at uh, at USC for uh, a lot of reasons. Where you and we've seen it now in a lot of the teams we've been looking at in the SEC. Tennessee is a perfect example. Where and it's funny because it goes to an episode of The Office, right? Salesmen think short term, businessmen think long term. And the value of people who can sell. Usually people who can sell in different companies make the most money, right? So one of the highest paid assistants at USC is the recruiter from Oregon, Williams. And Sam Pittman is now the first, well, the second. There's two of them. There's a guy at Memphis and now the guy at Arkansas who Sam Pittman is a sales guy. So you got X's and O's. And sales guys, you pay the excess and those guys more money, and you or the you pay the salesman more money, and then you bring guys for excess and O's. So it's going to be interesting how it goes. He is not a technician, so he has to have really good coordinators and pay them a lot of money. Coordinator number one is the controversial Kendall Bryles, whose daddy. Uh, has been basically banned from football because of the horrible things that were going on in Baylor. And Kendall somehow has been able to escape it. And now he's making $3 million a year as the coordinator for Arkansas. So he can do less with more. So those games, let's say, this is the SEC. So he would have done really good in those non-conference games with that offense, that Baylor offense uh, spread. That spread, that, you know, offense, running quarterback offense. And Chad Morris was kind of that guy, so he would have had a lot of guys to work with. Uh, they had a Notre Dame transfer to that offensive line. They have Pittman, who is a great offensive line coach, but he's even a better recruiter, right? But he's going to have his hands on this offensive line. Uh, they're going to be good. And uh, as Dr. First says, they, he inherited a great offensive line from Brett Billima, who went on to be the offensive coordinator uh, or the uh, offensive line coach for the Patriots, and it's now defensive line coach for the New York Giants. New York football Giants has Brett Billima on their staff. So they return eight on offense and six on defense. Uh, let's see how many the Pittman have on there. You would imagine Pittman, yeah, they got 65. They got 65 guys, uh, 65 starts in the offensive line. I'll look for them to bring in some Juco guys. That's where uh, Kendall Bryles is good at. Kendall Bryles comes off a successful stint as offensive coordinator for Willie Taggart, guy that I know well from the University of South Florida. They didn't win a lot of games, but they went up and down the field. So look for them to go over. Now, he did a great home run hire with Barry Ono. As now comes in as a defensive coordinator. Uh, he was a head coach at Missouri. Uh, He's a guy that's married to the game of football and knows defense. So 
as long as Coach Pittman can keep selling and selling that program, uh, they get $45 million just in TV money. $45 million goes a long way in Arkansas. So I, I see this program as on, on the rise as long as Coach Pittman can be consistent. And he has really, really great coordinators. I don't know about integrity, right? Because both uh, Odom and Kendall Bryles had uh, ethical issues at several different stops, including Florida State. Kendall Bryles has some problems. So Kendall Bryles has some problems everywhere he goes. So as long as they can keep themselves clean, focus on football, uh, look for them to cover a big spread against Alabama. LSU, they're a developmental team, so that's going to be tight. Uh, Texas A&M is going to keep things close to the vest. You might see them cover. And definitely look for that first game of the season, September. Well, all games are going to be September 26th. But look at that Arkansas-Mississippi State game with Mike Leach. Man, those are two offensive coaches going at each other, Kendall Browse and Mike Leach. Spread. Look for that game to go over. There's no tackling. <laughs> so people people aren't tackling right now. And you're gonna have Mike Leach and Kendall Browse going against each other. The Browse family look for that game to go over. Over the total. And look for Arkansas. I think the way Dr. First was saying to cover more often than not, and then study these games uh for the over. Mississippi, lame Kiffin, offensive guy. Against Kendall Bryles. With games like that to go over. Man, you're getting some definitely some big time knowledge here, man, with these games right here. Next up notes. is uh, Auburn. Um, obviously, Gus Malzon goes into his uh, eighth year at Auburn. And last year, nine and four, very kind of quietly. Um, seems like the only time Auburn beats Alabama in the Iron Bowl is uh, the same year they win a national title. So last year was a little uh, – a very quiet year for them to win the um, Iron Bowl. Um, I do immediately look at the offensive line. Only 48 starts coming back. Um, that is a concern, especially considering, you know, you, you look at the top and we will get to Texas A&M. But that's a team that they're going to have to compete with, um, obviously, as well against um, – or as well as Alabama, as always. Uh, I do look at um, the Georgia game um, last year. Now this year we'll be in uh, in Georgia. It's it's one of those games. Obviously, it's a big game, but I think in this year, in this climate, I think it's a little bit more of for Auburn at least. Um, they they have a chance to get Georgia. Like I said, um, I I don't quite know. If Georgia's going to be able to come out straight away, I, I think Florida is the better team in that. But generally, Auburn has lost six of their last seven in Georgia. So this is a situation, a targeting game, a, 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 a revenge, a, a game for them to say, hey, this is a place where we've struggled. Um, now, there's still plenty of talent on that team. But Jake Fromm, while not being an immensely talented um, quarterback, was a reliable quarterback. Kirby Smart, um, or the offensive coordinator slips my mind, but would be would throw that play in and know that, you know, unless something crazy happens that 
um, Fromm hadn't seen or, or, or something is very well disguised, Fromm is going to make the right decision. Now, is it the, the Joe Burrow or the, you know, the crazy, oh my gosh, what an incredible play? No, he's going to be kind of the Alex Smith game manager. Um, and that's obviously he's gone now. And now we look at a JT Daniels um, possibly. And like I said, I just think Auburn picks that game and says, look, this is a team that isn't necessarily in our division, but is has team that has bragging rights over us. And they don't really like that outside of Alabama um, and a chance to really kind of get them while they're down. And that would be a huge, huge lift. What would I would assume be early in the season? Like I said, I believe these games would go off around the same time. Unsure, but currently it would be their third game, fourth, no, third game of the season. Um, so if they could go out and win that game, you would assume they would be 3-0. and That would be a nice little springboard onto things. Um, that's just what I saw in terms of what I would expect Gus Malzahn to do. Um, but their biggest concern right now has to be getting the offensive line some experience. You know, no offense to uh, Toledo, but when you're counting on a, 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 a transfer on the offensive line from Toledo to come um, help you win the SEC West, it's not ideal. Uh, it's going to be new offensive coordinator. It, is it? Yeah. Akron. it was Akron, not Toledo. I don't want to Akron. Yeah. Well, I know what you're saying. Uh, what was interesting that Akron, uh, their coach was uh, Bobby Bowden's son. So hopefully for them, it's some guy who did something in high school, right? And he couldn't go to Big Power 5 where the reporters are doing research. I would say it's going to be a couple games. Maybe a couple games going from the Mac. As much as we love the Mac, we, we love the Mac, the Maction. It takes you a couple – couple right. games to kind of be like, whoa. Well, he's going okay. against that defensive line for uh, Auburn's pretty good. So he's going against a good defensive line in practice. But under normal circumstances, he hasn't done that yet. He's just been, I don't know, illegal illegal gym they have down there in Appalachia. Um, I probably, well, I have a bias, so I probably shouldn't be picking Auburn games. Uh one of, one of the prettiest girls I've ever met in my life was uh, Auburn graduate. So I, it's the type of girl that um, she was free for the weekend, so you would drive 10, mi- 10 hours to go see her. That type of situation. <laughs> and she was in Opelika, Alabama. So I, I was putting my life in my hands, driving 10 miles to see this girl in Opelika. So when I think of the Auburn Tigers, I think of that. Also, another reason I shouldn't be betting the Auburn Tigers is that USF football, their biggest win ever was against Timmy Tuberville in Opelika. Triple overtime. I have the shirt. I should bring it out. Uh, triple overtime. Uh, USF over Auburn and, and, and Coach Levitt over Tim, uh, Tuberville. So those are pleasant memories, but I do bet them anyways. And very interesting here because I remember this game vividly. Uh, this was the opening line Georgia last year, plus three. It ballooned to plus eight so, at some place. They jumped on it, and I got a lucky cover. I should have covered all the way. Auburn should have won that game. They were heavy in territory. They have a young quarterback. 
who's not getting coached by Chad Morris. And we talked about Chad Morris. Former, uh, he's the failed uh, head coach of Arkansas, right? So he fails there. He goes 2-20 and 20 and gets rewarded with a $3 million contract to be an offensive coordinator and a $20 million buyout. So Chad Morris is a rich man. To be honest, he doesn't need those $3 million from Auburn to be the offensive coordinator. He already has a $20 million buyout, right? So you're talking to a guy who's married to the game of football, and he would coach for free. Even though he's not, though, he's collecting $3 million to coach. But he would coach for free. And you would imagine with all that talent that even though they only have uh, – very few guys coming on the offensive line, and they had to go to Akron to get a probably guy who's highly talented but highly questionable for whatever uh, misdeed he did in high school that he had to go freeze in Akron for a couple of years for, before he could go. You know, he went to last chance you Akron and the Bowden family uh, to – play and try to save that Auburn offensive line. But even if he does play well, you got to wonder about the depth of that offensive line, right? Uh, they probably don't have a lot of depth on the offensive line. And uh, $7 million a year, $8 million a year is with Gus Monzal. He might be like Clay Helton and be able to keep his job because of COVID-19. And maybe people don't want to pay his buyout. Because uh, he's been teetering on that. Uh, he won the national championship with Cam Newton, went to the championship game, and he loses to Jimbo Fisher and Jeremy Pruitt, that damn defense again. It's <laughs> Alabama, right? You should know how to play it. Can Sham, uh, Sham, Sham Morris. <laughs> what comes to my mind? Can Chad Morris. He was a sham at Arkansas. <laughs> he took $10 million and got four wins. That's like $2 million a win. So, Kevin Steele. Kevin Steele's a great uh, recruiter, bat, X's and O's guy. He's still there. Uh, his defensive coordinator, Travis Williams. X's and O's guys. Uh, man, it's going to be interesting. Two offensive guys going against each other. Uh, Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin might get a win. Big win for Lane Kiffin off the bat against Auburn. Kentucky's going to be in there. Uh, Georgia is lost. Uh, Texas A&M is a loss. Mississippi State and uh, Mike Leach going to be very interesting. Man, revenge game for Cam Morris for getting fired at Arkansas. He's probably, He knows those players. He knows them to death. So look for our Chad Morris to get revenge on Arkansas, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Then they probably get killed the last two games of the season. Yeah, no, for sure, I'm betting, literally and figuratively, on Chad Morris to throw the kitchen sink at Arkansas because it's not going to matter. <laughs> there's, no, there's no reason to save anything for us. You're Alabama, all right? Uh, a lot to say for Alabama, not a lot to say for LSU, but really – um, man, you got to think that both the LSU defensive line, which might be young, and at this point in the season, Alabama's defensive line 
are going to destroy the Auburn offensive line and the Auburn offensive line in short staffed. They don't have a lot of depth. They don't have a Brianna Winter coming off the bench. They don't have a, a superstar <laughs> taking off the sweats and coming in and dominating. So that is your Auburn Tigers. Uh, and they only returned five on defense. So this is, you can chalk up Auburn and put them in the LSU category. As, hey, maybe they're – who knows? Who knows how bad they'll be because it doesn't look good for them. Uh, maybe you're looking at uh, – good thing for them, they have uh, – they did not play North Carolina in uh, non-conference because I only see – if Mississippi beats them, I only see one, two, three – Three wins in there. So I'm picking uh, Auburn to either go, I guess it's nine games, to go either three and six or four and five. And the only reason Gus Monson saves his job would be COVID-19, not performance. Next up is uh, the defending national champion, uh, LSU Tigers, no team is having to replace more uh, than Ed Orgeron and his staff at LSU. Uh, obviously, 15-0 and last year, uh, they would have gone 11-4 and against the spread. So there were a couple inflated lines. Now, those are early on. Um, we look later on in the year. Um, I do believe the last game of the season against uh, Clemson, um, no, they covered that as well. So uh, pretty much everything. They did struggle early on. Well, I guess struggle. Or they were tested early against Texas. Right. Um, and then there was one more. Let me see where it was. Um, Auburn kept Texas it close. That right. And um, uh-huh. Auburn and Alabama both kept it close. But other than that, um, LSU blew pretty much everybody out. They uh, top offense, one of the best defenses. Now, that's all great. Um, but you only bring three. Returning starters back, obviously Joe Burrow, who was a massive part of that, is in Cincinnati getting ready to begin his pro career. Only 43 career starts on the offensive line are returning. Um, Ed Orgeron, if anybody can get these guys to play, it will be him. Um, This is not going to be a repeat. This is not going to be a massive um, return uh, to glory this year. Uh, There's plenty of talent here, but... They're in a very tough conference, a uh, very tough division in that conference. Um, as I think they, they're third, maybe fourth best team in this conference, depending on how you view Auburn. Um, but uh, plenty of work to be done for LSU. But really, really excited to see year two with uh, Ed Orgeron. He's, he's my guy. Um, so, or not year two, I'm sorry, no, more than that. But the, the, the year after, I should say, with Ed Orgeron, um, hopefully – he um, has his boys ready to go. And like I said, I don't expect a national title. I don't expect an SEC championship game. Um, but I do expect, you know, uh, a 5-4, and 6-3 and three record. Um, it's going to be tough with Alabama and Texas A&M. Uh, those teams, I think, are better than LSU. Uh, and then we'll see um, what non-conference game or if they get a non-conference game. Yeah, no, it's going to be a tough year for them. Uh Alabama's going to be a loss. It's going to be ugly. Uh, 
makes makes Taven does not have mercy on, on teams like this. And then you run your mouth publicly with that video that came out. Uh, it's not going to be pretty. I probably shouldn't be betting LSU games because I like Coach O. I mean, I mean, fan of Coach O. Uh, he's a great guy. Another guy who's married to the game of football. Uh, he got divorced this year. His wife said that she was ignoring him. Uh, that he was ignoring her, his wife. So his team will be ready to go. They're going to be better, better than most. Uh, LSU is going to be in the same boat as Auburn. And Gus Mazant, three on offense, five on defense. Great coordinators, not really. Uh, Editor is a loyalty play, right? Coach O is a very, very loyal man and has kept Edgender there out of loyalty. The real offensive coordinator last year was a guy by the name of Joe Brady, who is a protege of uh, Sean Payne. Joe Brady takes off and stabs Coach O in the back. So it'll be interesting who they replace him with or if they replace him with anybody and just say, hey, there's going to be a developmental year, and then we'll scout the coaching rack, somebody we can give a couple million dollars. They gave Joe Brady $1.5 million, and he takes off. Uh, so Steve Edinger, uh, he's gone through several – personal tragedies, so he's almost like a shell of a man. Um, they're hoping he uses football as an escape to fight his depression and uh, do well. Now, the defensive coordinator is another guy I like a lot, a uh, man by the name of Bo Pelini, who Nebraska football are now realizing what great of a coach he was and was doing in Nebraska. Because who wants to go to Nebraska and play football? Whenever they were good, it's because they had 200 guys and they had a bunch of fifth-year seniors. Bo Pelini had them 9-10 wins, had them steady going, and that wasn't enough for them. He gets fired. And, man, Nebraska hasn't won more than four or five games since Bo Pelini left. He goes to Youngstown State. And he teams up with uh, another guy who was fired from uh, a high-level high uh, college football school, Ohio State, Jim Trussell. So Jim Trussell becomes the de facto head coach of Youngstown State, president of the university, hires Bo Pelini. And as we know, Jim Trussell is an offensive expert. And Bo Pelini is a defensive expert. They know how to develop talent. And suddenly, out of nowhere, Youngstown State is in the FCS playoffs, challenging for a national title every year. So now, uh, Aranda, the highest-paid defensive coordinator. Man, you got to give Coach O credit, right? He gives Joe Brady $1.5 million. He gives Aranda $2 million. Aranda jumps ship. He goes to replace Matt Rule with the Baylor Batters. So in comes Joe Bopolini. Uh, man, you know, COVID-19, I think it's accelerated things, right? It's accelerated 
uh, admin or people in high leadership positions in the corporate world or in the Pac-12 and expose them for their lack of leadership and how lazy they are not doing any work. Uh, but it's also accelerated, I think, teams that want to shut down and be a developmental team. Uh, Coach O haven't read or played the way Dr. First says, but they're definitely losing to Florida. They're definitely losing to Alabama. And they're definitely losing to Texas A&M. So that leaves six games. So be interesting to see what Lane Kiffin has in Mississippi because they're going to he, – he's going to be a difference maker in the Guzman-Zalt season and what kind of season LSU has if they're going to have four losses in the SEC. Uh, South Carolina is not going to be a gimme. Uh, Arkansas, they should win. But they're going to have a tough row. Auburn's going to be a big game. Uh, they they might be two and seven, right? It might be two and seven, and their ceiling. It's funny how the SEC reminds me of the NFL, where a lot of games can go either way, and have a lot of great coaches who can pull magic, right? Can make something out of nothing. So the low point for LSU would be. Two, right? And the high point uh, would be six or seven games if they can pull an upset. If people don't, don't get this, right? If LSU goes seven and two, that's a Hall of Fame coaching job by Coach O and Bo Pelini. If they go seven and two, right? And so when the SEC schedule finds out, and it'd be interesting if things are out now to see what the season totals are for LSU. Because if you see a season total for LSU that's eight or nine, because people are banning blindly what happened last year, you would go uh, LSU in the under. I'm going to look that up right now. And that is your LSU Bengal Tigers. Uh, next up is uh, Mississippi. Obviously, you already talked about Lane Kiffin. Um, just coming in, and, and I think we're really going to see what he uh, can bring to the table second time he's been in the SEC um, with the uh, Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, can't wait when um, fans get back into the stands. Uh, I don't think they're on the schedule this year, but uh, the first time Mississippi goes to Tennessee, you're going to need some uh, extra security in that game. Um, for Mississippi, it, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, even with Lane Kiffin, um, I'll put my my own feelings aside. He he he's he knows how to get these guys to play, um, but for how long? Um, I I don't know if he can keep these guys under control when they're under five hundred, or you know when something doesn't go right. Maybe he's grown up at Florida Atlantic. Um, who knows? I guess we're gonna find out here real soon, but. Um, I don't think any state, literally state, of college football in the history of college football has gone from where they were to bringing in two of the biggest spark plug, spark plug coaches um, ever in Mississippi when you bring in uh, Lane Kiffin to Old Miss and then Mike Leach to Mississippi State. It's going to be an interesting rivalry. Both guys aren't uh, nice guys. So it'll be interesting for them to go against each other because that's really 
that's really going to be what the make or break season. Most of these guys go at Mississippi, Mississippi State go 500. And what decides whether the season's successful or not is their ability to beat each other. And uh, that's what uh, the guy in Florida was able to do. Mullen was able to beat Mississippi consistently. And that's what made him a successful coach there. Uh, you know, and, and getting upset every once in a while. Uh, he returns eight on offense, six on defense. Again, he's a guy that he's coordinating the offense himself. And then he gets uh, Jeff Levy from You Can't Finish University to come in as uh, his recruiting guy. He doesn't do X's and O's. Uh, Levy did a really good job with You Can't Finish. So what Lame is thinking is the guys that went to You Can't Finish University, have them go to Mississippi and say, hey, we're here in Mississippi. We can pay you more money than what they're paying you at UCF. And it's going to be legal to pay guys in 2020. So Mississippi's been paying for players when it wasn't illegal. So now it's going to be legal. And they're going to try to pay for those You Can't Finish guy type guys. Uh, and those UCF type guys. But our guy, Jeff Scott, can recruit against that. be interesting if uh, Hypole can recruit against that. Uh, and then for the defensive coordinator, it's Chris Patrick. Same thing. Patrick was a recruiting guy for Harbaugh. And we all know that uh, uh, Mike Brown, I believe his name, I know his last name is Brown, the great defensive coordinator in Michigan. He's your Texas and Oaks guy. Horrible personality. He's not out there recruiting. So Lane Kiffin is going the salesman approach. He is getting guys who can sell. It, who do you think is the real X's and O's guy for that defense? If you know Lame's going to do the offense, you got to think that Monty Kiffin isn't too far behind. <laughs> Monty Kiffin uh, went to the death with his son, right, at uh, USC and coached that USC defense uh, all the way until he was replaced by. Uh, our guy, Clancy, Clancy Pendergrass, who we had an interview with John Bronson. Clancy Pendergrass was his off defense coordinator at Arizona. So I wonder, I wonder if Clancy Pendergrass is on that set. You know, Monty Kiffin is coaching that defense. Uh, Joe Barry can't be too far behind. And Mississippi is going to be very interesting because uh, Vanderbilt was going to be a very interesting game for them. Uh, Arkansas is going to be a very interesting game for them. And, of course, that Mississippi State game is going to be very interesting. And also that LSU. So if Lane Kiffin can beat LSU, beat Vanderbilt, beat Arkansas, and beat Mississippi State, uh, it'll be a good barometer of people to find out whether Lane Kiffin can coach. I know he can coach offense. So look for a lot of these games, like uh, that LSU game to begin the season. Look for that game to go over, because people are going to be betting the 2019 LSU versus the team that only has five guys coming back on defense in 2020. Right? Uh, that Auburn game is going to be very interesting for Liam Kiffin. Uh, Alabama, he's going to get killed. He should be. 3-1 going to Florida. Uh, but 
He's putting all his marbles into recruiting. So he's going to get a pass this year. COVID-19 developmental year. Um, I With Lame Kiffin, uh, ceiling here is four, maybe five. If he goes five and three or five and four, he's done a great job. The bottom, though, with Lame Kiffin is zero. He could get shut out and be one and eight. Or 0 and 9 in the SEC. So look for those to be the ways. However, uh, when two offensive guys get together, watch those games to be over. Mullins is an offensive guy, so look October 17th against Florida to be over. Uh, at Arkansas, November 14th, look that game to be over. And I'm going to be betting some overs in the Mississippi, Mississippi State. Two offensive guys, two arrogant guys. Want to rely on themselves? We'll throw the offensive kitchen sink at each other. So maybe before Vegas realizes this, look for that first COVID no tackling game to go over the total. Uh, next up is uh, Mississippi State. Obviously, big uh, movement in terms of uh, coach bringing in Mike Leach. Going to change up that um, offense. Um, in, a, in a big way, obviously, I think most people know what to expect uh, when, it, when it comes to uh, Mike Leach. Only 41 career starts on the offensive line is going to, you know, be, the, be right where Mike Leach needs to go to work. Um, you can't really run his type of offense without uh, a good offensive line. And, and to be fair, uh, Mike Leach has never used uh, or has never put his offense um, – on this level uh, in terms of defense. Uh, the Big 12, we talked about Texas Tech. Um, obviously, when they played in the Big 12, they were not getting uh, a ton of defense. And we look at the Washington, uh, in when Mike Leach moved to Washington State in the Pac-12, the defense is better in the Pac-12. But um, once again, a whole nother step up in the SEC. So I'm really excited to see how his offense plays in the SEC. I think it will play well. Um, but I don't think it, I don't know if it will play well right away. Because the one thing about his offense is, if it if it works, it it works and it's great. But when it doesn't, it's it's ugly. Um, it can get ugly. I remember there were a couple uh, games Oklahoma was putting you know sixty points, seventy points on Mike Leach's team um, when it wasn't going fully uh, together. But at the same time, this watch uh, Mississippi State just became one of the um, hot spots for. Uh, top SEC quarterbacks, at least the drop back ones. Um, they, they're going to want to come learn it behind Mike Leach uh, in that situation. We'll see how it goes in uh, Starkville with Mike Leach, but I, I can guarantee you one thing, the press conferences in Starkville are going to get a lot more interesting. Oh yeah. The, the guy that was there from Penn State was really boring. Uh, the big news with them is KJ Costello. Right? And we're talking now uh, you know, I'll check more on this, and I'll put it in the episode notes. You're talking about five guys we've talked about from the West Coast who are now quarterbacks uh, at Mississippi State. Uh, he was, in my opinion, uh, the best quarterback at Stanford from the guys they've had recently. And he, he got mad because he couldn't stay. Who knows what happened, right? But you would assume that he got mad at uh, David Shaw for not making him the starter. But he 
was always hurt. So that's one of those things that can go either way. Mike Leach takes advantage of the situation, tells him, hey, you're my starter here at Mississippi State. So you get a hard, uh, you get a hot quarterback at Mississippi State. It'll be very interesting, right? Uh, he brings in as a defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett from San Diego State, that we've seen up and close in personnel. And the San Diego State defense has been lights out for years. And you know that uh, Rocky Long has taught this man how to be a defensive coordinator. All right. Uh, they get five guys returning back on that defense. A lot of great athletes in the South. Uh, first glance, you say, okay, he needs to tread water, go 500, and then beat lame every year. But it's going to be interesting with KJ Costello, a guy who has experience. He's not going to be intimidated. Uh, the offense, uh, even though they put a lot of points on the board, the offense is actually very simple to understand in the beginning. It gets a little complicated as we go along. Again, Mike Leach is his own. Uh, offensive coordinator, the guy that has the name of an offensive coordinator uh, is a recruiter. And then the air raid offense is very near and dear to our hearts because of Ben Rathlaff, Faith Family Football. And Kings, Kings, Kingsbury, the head coach of uh, Arizona, played for Mike Leach. Clingsbury's best friend is the offensive coordinator of Houston Baptist and Ben Raslaff. If you want to learn the air raid, listen to those podcasts. We talk about how the air raid works in detail, right? And it's the quarterback and the wide receiver getting simple reads, keys to find out whether it's zone or man, and then running the pattern and the ball's there, right? So that's your uh, air raid. And he learned it from the horse's mouth, how Mummy. So, very interesting year. Uh, I think intelligence is going to be huge football intelligence. Nobody has it more than him. So, it'll be interesting what happens in this COVID-19 era. Uh, there are no COVID-19 laws in Mississippi State, no social distancing laws, no requirements to wear a mask. Uh, so, he's been able to do what he wants. Nobody's, I don't think anybody even wants to go to Starkville. So he can run all the practices he wanted. I don't think NCAA would even want to go down to Starkville. Uh, so look for Mississippi State uh, to be a surprise team. And then when they play another offensive coach like Arkansas, Texas A&M, Missouri, and Mississippi, look for all those games to go over. And who hasn't won some money betting Mike Leach in the over? <laughs> I don't think there's anybody – who uh, bets college football, who's not won an over with Mike Leach involved. So it's almost like a traditional thing. Mike Leach and the over, especially when he's paying another offensive guy who has a big ego and wants to match wits with him. So, again, I think the ceiling is going to be the same. Uh, seven would be great. But I think Mike Leach is a little smarter than Lame Kiffin. Well, Lame's Kiffin bottom is zero. I think uh, Mike Leach can at least pull out two SEC games. And that's your Mississippi State Bulldogs. And they talk about illegal. They still bring those illegal cowbells to the game for illegal noise. So 
Um, last up on the SEC is uh, Texas A&M Aggies. Obviously, Jimbo Fisher, year number three after uh, leaving Florida State. Um, look, first thing is the returning starters. Uh, eight on the offense, nine on the defense. Four senior starters on the offensive line uh, to amass 106 total starts on the offensive line. Uh, I would say this is the best offensive line in the SEC. Jimbo Fisher, um, when we look at the lines at least, let's just look at the lines the last 10 years. Uh, there have been 84 wins for Texas A&M, uh, only 61 against the spread. So we're talking about inflated lines here. And if you SEC want, inflated lines, 100. And not only that, uh, we look at you know if you look at the enrollment of Texas A&M, it's it's number two in the country uh, at over 53,000. So we're talking about people that have gone to this school, uh, done well in life, and then want to bet and just bet blindly. Because, well, hey, they are because of oil money in Texas A&M and everything else. They're one of the richest alumni bases. Yeah, and it's and, you know, military. A lot of military um, have come through there, big ROTC, things like that. Uh, and, generals, and very, they stop being a general, and they start working for a company making $2, 3000000 million a year. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I, I think Texas A&M must be the last thing, in, um, to, and then I'll head out. But for me, um, I think Texas A&M, and Alabama, it's going to come down to that game. Um, now, the coaching mismatch is there. Uh, Nick, Nick Saban is Nick Saban. Jimbo Fisher is a good coach. Um, I don't know um, if he has – I mean, the only time A&M has ever beaten Alabama, um, it's been with Johnny Football. Uh, believe me, Johnny Football is not here in this game. Um, but uh, Kellen Mond has been there. He is a senior, at least has the experience. He's not going to – a, a very similar um, to, um, I forget who I, who I, oh, I was talking about Jake Fromm. Very, maybe kind of a poor man's Jake Fromm. He, he's going to go out there, you call the play, he's going to make the right move, and um, it's not going to be the big, big, big sexy play, but he's going to keep the ball in your hands. And I think in the SEC, that's key, especially um, when they have a, I think, a defense that got better last year throughout the year. Uh, they only returned four starters. It didn't start – amazingly well um obviously the Auburn game was something they were frustrated about which is something I expect A&M to come back with I expect A&M to have a big big circle around that Auburn game after a 28 to 20 loss last year that really kind of uh kind of put them into a bit of a tailspin obviously they had already lost to Clemson but that doesn't necessarily mean anything um that early in the year just because you lose to Clemson uh, plenty of things to play for, but losing to Auburn at home, that was, I think, the uh, kind of the thing that put A&M into a relative tailspin. They still went eight and five, um, but obviously they wanted to be better. I expect them to be better this year. Um, they play nine or ten games. I see a seven, eight, possibly nine win season. This this could be um, a team that wins the SEC overall. Uh, we'll see. Really excited to see this team play out of there's two teams that I'm really excited to see uh, just what is going to come from, and it's Tennessee and Texas A&M. For different reasons, Texas A&M has a chance to possibly um, – ceiling is maybe a national title. Look, if you have a chance to win the SEC, you have to think that the national title is also on the uh, agenda. Uh, and then for Tennessee, look, we're not talking national title. We're not talking SEC championship. But what we are talking about is a very 
good offensive line, a coach that is getting better, and a, uh, a team that's bringing a lot of veteran leadership back. So those are the two teams that I'm really, really excited to watch in the SEC. But like Josh said, look, if, if we get Monday through Sunday uh, SEC football or however it is, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, let's go. I'm all for it. Anything. And you know what? If we get all uh, SEC football all on Saturday like normal, I'm okay with that too. So I'm excited. Obviously, like I said, the SEC for me is the most overrated conference, but it's still the best conference. You go down to SEC country and no one will even hear, like Vanderbilt could beat any other team. Like calm down people. So that's why I say it's a bit, uh, that it's the most overrated, but it is still the best. So I'm really excited to see how it all goes. I am hopping off, but uh, thank you all very much for listening to my part. Josh is going to bring you home. Um, with his thoughts on A&M and, of course, uh, a Winston Churchill quote. But thank you all for listening to my part. Thank you, Josh. All right. No problem at all. Uh, Texas A&M is the return of the mythical national championship. Uh, Texas A&M has a big opportunity to be able to – accomplish that with all of the guys they have returning on the offensive line. And then Kevin, uh, again, we've talked about it many, many times. If you can make three first downs with your legs, you are going to win 75% of your games. Kevin Mong can do so. All right. Uh, They return 106 starts on the offensive line they return nine guys on defense eight guys in offense Jimbo Fisher has won a national championship before so it's a good bet to make money watching football with your Texas A&M Aggies Uh, you look at the defensive coordinator it is Mike Eco uh, Elko he does a great job. He's a home run hire, third-year defensive coordinator. And you look at teams, developmental teams and teams with talent, they are a combination of both. Again, another guy who got divorced, and Jimbo Fisher, who uh, his wife divorced him for neglecting her because he is married to the game of football. Uh, you have Daryl Dickey, who's near and dear to the hearts of people in the SEC, Daryl Dickey, his dad was a head coach, University of Florida. This guy's been lights out recruiting, um, great judge of talent, head coaching intellect himself. So it's it's just an amazing, very deaf, very uh, influential, very uh, intelligent, experienced, genius coaching staff here at Texas A&M. Developmental teams versus Teams with talent, Texas A&M has both. Watch out for those inflated lines. The one line that might not be inflated is the season total, right, for your Texas A&M Aggies. Now, two offensive coaches, they play together. Watch these games to go over. Look for the Arkansas game to go over. Look for the Auburn game to go over. Mississippi game to go over. In that LSU game to end the season, it's going to be interesting. There's a grudge between teams. But this time, Jimbo Fisher has 
the upper hand against Damian Craig, who Jim Fisher's son fought Damian Craig, who won a national championship with Auburn. Great recruiter, running backs coach. But he started a grudge that he will not be able to finish. And look for Texas A&M, and I believe Texas A&M uh, is going to be right up there with Alabama. It's going to be a player or two in the Alabama game deciding perhaps who goes to the national championship game and who wins the national title. But it's a good bet to bet uh, the over in the season total on Texas A&M and put a small wager on Texas A&M to win it all. Well, thank you for listening and making money with us on the ESBC Podcast Network. And like Dr. First says, we always end with Winston Churchill. You make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what we give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Podcast Network. That's why this one don't cost $800, and that goes $200. And I don't know what that costs, I'm just shaking the word. That's why I'm